0: Hello and welcome to the Two Hundred and Fifty, your weekly podcast look at the IMDb's top two hundred and fifty movies of all time. I'm your host Darren Mooney, and joining us always is my co-host Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew?
1: Hello, Darren. I am impervious to psychoanalysis. Um, thanks. <laughs> how, how, how are you? No, I'm 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 well. I'm I'm um, I'm doing. Um, I'm having some some roasted aubergine and some, some curry yogurts. Um, it's one of those dinner time records.
0: Yes, we are we are live in, in dinner time. Um yes, so we are this week we are How are you, Darren? Oh I I'm good, Andrew. Thank you for asking. I, I do appreciate. You know, men don't really talk about their feelings too much. <laughs> like, they come on to podcasts and they cry their eyes out and you know, it just it doesn't doesn't really work, you know? I mean let me tell you something. Podcasters, they're full of crap. Mm-hmm. Except for podcasters on TV. They're even more full of crap. But yes, um, I am. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm very glad to hear, and holding together as well as can be expected under the circumstances, and even better that's because it, that, this that's week,
1: some good qualification. <laughs>
0: yeah, an important qualification, I would argue, at this moment in time. I think, uh, but yes, we are continuing our season of Scorsese. Um, after taking three weeks, where we looked at three Scorsese movies that were not on the 250, that was Cundon. Uh, Gangs of New York and The Aviator. We're jumping back onto the 250 to discuss Martin Scorsese's 2006 Best Picture and Best Director winning film, his adaptation of the 2002 Hong Kong classic Infernal Affairs. It is 2006's The Departed. And joining us for this discussion we have, as ever, our Season of Scorsese co-host, Jason Coyle. How are you, Jay? I'm great. Thank you for asking. Ah, It's good. It's good to reach out. Um, And... Perhaps befitting the status of the departed, as perhaps Scorsese playing the hits, as it were, when it comes to his previous films. We have our first returning guest of this season of Scorsese, the wonderful Eva Martin, who joined us for Casino and is just fresh back, I think, as judge at this year's Gay's Film Festival. So, how are you, Eva?
2: I'm good. Thanks. It's delighted to be here. Um, we're like we're are I'm. Three, so I could should be doing something magical, but I'm stuck here <laughs> with you guys, which is which is nice. Something,
3: we appreciate that.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> the things I do for you, yeah,
1: yeah. This, this, this is a familiar theme, like, they're yeah. they're, they're like at least the, the sun isn't shining,
0: yes, um, as opposed to when we're recording during <laughs> summer, yeah, yeah. Um. The key to podcast recording is to make people stay indoors even when they don't have to during a lockdown. Um, So we'd like to think that we do our bit. Um, But yes, so The Departed, which is an interesting one to discuss. It's going to be a fascinating one to talk about in a couple of levels, perhaps because I think appropriately enough, given the themes of the movie itself, which is largely about identity and about cops who are criminals and criminals who are cops and about flipping the narrative and kind of people finding themselves in unusual situations. I think this may be, not to jump too far ahead of ourselves, but the episode of the Summer of Scorsese where I find myself in Andrew's position, where I find myself seriously outgunned and outmaneuvered by people who perhaps have a different opinion of the movie than I do. So let's get us all, let's get us started here. So Aoife, do you remember the first time that you saw um, The Departed um, and what your reaction to it was?
2: Yeah, I would have I would have seen it on its on its initial release, so way back in 2006. Um, I would have seen it in the cinema. I am... Um, and I remember, I remember liking it at the time. I remember really, really enjoying it. Um, I didn't think at the time that it was one of Scorsese's better films, um, but I thought it was a solid, you know, genre crime thriller. Basically, you know, so yeah, I enjoyed it at the time. Okay. My opinion might have changed since then. Yeah. <laughs> I, I won't, I won't say anything just yet. <laughs> like I've watched it several times since then, um, and. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting film.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's always interesting when guests qualify their kind of like strong, their positive reactions with "at the time." Um, at the distance. time,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I, I was a gay, different not-
2: person back then. <laughs>
0: But not to not to jump too far ahead in terms of discussing The Departed, because The Departed is a movie that looms large in Scorsese's filmography. It is the film that won him the Oscar. It is also the film that at that point in his career was his highest grossing movie. This is perhaps Scorsese's biggest mainstream success to this point in his filmography. And so it's kind of interesting how it was received at the time, where it was regarded as an instant masterpiece or an instant classic, and how in the years since, I you know, Jay and I have talked about this before, Jay doesn't like the term backlash, uh, so let's just say the <laughs> opinion of certain people has perhaps moved in opposition to that initial assessment, is probably the best way to phrase it. But Jay, what about yourself? Do you remember the first time you saw The Departed and what your reaction to it was?
3: Yeah, uh, similar to Evil, I would have seen it on, um, on its initial release. Um, yeah, I liked it, and I, I, I would have seen Infernal Affairs too, so I would have uh, been aware of the kind of source material. And so I, my expectations were pretty good. Um, and TV, I liked it too. I mean, before we get into it, I mean, I could qualify it as in, this, in similar ways. But... but <laughs> At the time. But it's, it's, it's an interesting film in the sense that I think it's one, weirdly enough, that gets a lot of discussion. Almost perhaps yeah. in some way or despite its reputation or because of it. Um, which is weird because it's kind of broad and general and poppy enough that you think it wouldn't i certainly it this the surface i'm mean, gonna get into that um but it's an odd one that tends to kind of bring out a lot of conversation even though it seems like the one that wouldn't um so i'm always fascinated by yeah. that um but yeah i liked them when it came out i did i too i I had some reservations that i'm glad scorsese won for this but he won it literally for his career it was the greatest hits reward i mean yet didn't he have like a couple of yeah. Thing and uh, yes. Spielberg, and, Coppola, Lucas, and yeah, Spielberg. Like, I mean, who's going to win I wonder <laughs> Oh, it's, uh, yeah.
0: it's great. Yeah. It's great because like if you watch that, like at the moment, Lucas literally says, "And Marty Scorsese" yeah. when he's announcing the nominees. So it's like we know whose name is all over yes. this. Thank you very, very much. It's very odd. So it's a very, it's
3: almost like, well, let's give him this before he dies because he's probably not going to make another film. <laughs> Boy, off it is a kind of, almost like a Cecil B. DeMille Award. vibe off it, um, mm-hmm. and that's quite fine. Like, and I, to some degree, I think that also has affected his reputation in that way. So it, it'd, it'd yeah. be an interesting conversation to get properly into, but just like mentioning it in a general sense.
0: Yeah. Um, I think there's actually a lot that we can come back to there. So I'm not going to jump yeah. too far into it now, but Andrew, what about yourself? Did do you see the, the departed when it was first released? Did you wait to see it? Um, I think I might've waited
1: to see it. I don't, I don't think I saw it in the cinema. I think it might've been like, um, again, one of those network two jobs. <laughs> um, yeah, but, uh, the, the, or the the Friday night movie, or indeed yeah. the Saturday night movie. But um, yeah, that I yeah I remember I remember enjoying us at that time. <laughs> <laughs> important,
0: <laughs> then, important qualification. Um, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah.
0: But Aaron's um, position really is flipped on this. Podcast, so, um, <laughs> so, but no, this is no, how no, Andrew fell for the past seven or eight weeks
1: yeah like no like like it it it's um it i i i i, I, I found it quite entertaining i found parts of it um uh, memorable in fact I did, uh, most of it, um it, it 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 kind of um uh stuck with me quite a bit but um yeah that it's um yeah it's it it, it it's it's not as like um, it's not forget forgettable as was that one guy in the crew. <laughs> you don't really see much of, but it, yeah, no, no I um, I suppose I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> to cut this short. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I. Which is <laughs> what I ought to have done earlier. <laughs>
0: But yeah no I I would have seen this well around the time that it came out um I believe I was seeing somebody who was a big Leonardo DiCaprio fan so it's nice that the kind of our interests kind of merged or intersected on on that particular kind of on this stage of Marty's career and yeah I have always kind of I've always liked The Departed actually um which is great Um, I've always kind of had a a soft spot for it. I agree with Andrew. It is not his strongest film. It's not his best film. Um, I don't know if it would place in his top 10 for me. It probably might get in just under the radar, so to speak. And I think that's probably because I think of what Jay alluded to there, which is the sheer poppiness of it. I am a shameless populist when it comes to uh, movies and when it comes to you know spectacle and kind of broad appealing kind of films. I tend to like movies that are designed or seem intended to welcome as broad an audience as possible in and make them feel at home because that's really to me what The Departed feels like. It's that thing that uh, Jay kind of alluded to the play the hits aspect of it where it feels like it's a Almost a, Sc- a Scorsese cliché storm. I don't want to say it's the most Scorsese film because I'd still argue that's Casino, but this is perhaps his most crowd pleasing example of him doing what audiences expect him to do. And I it's, kind of—it's like immediately
1: that. racist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> immediately, yeah, viscerally it's racist and, and homophobic. <laughs>
0: Yeah, sort of opens its arms and is like yep just in case you thought well no I was more thinking in terms of like the push zooms the whip pans uh, specific references to sequences from Taxi Driver or Goodfellas for example you know the fact that he plays <laughs> Give Me Shelter not once but twice in the course of this movie at one point interrupting it and then coming back to it in the middle of a montage I would have, thought, I it would have, say... I would
3: have played it a third time if I could have
0: <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what the really great thing about this is after this he went on to make Shine a Light his Rolling Stones documentary and you'll never guess what he didn't play in Shine a Light his Rolling Stones. He, got sick documentary. Of it, he? <laughs> <laughs> he obviously just had he, enough. He overdid oh, it. He overdid it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um I used all of my I wore out the master tape while doing this. Uh but yeah, so I think then um this is kind of an interesting kind of springboard into the three questions before we jump to the Spore Zone. Out of curiosity, assuming nobody here cheated, where do you reckon? The Departed Falls in the IMDb 250. So where do you reckon like compared to his films? I would guess
3: it it's done pretty well. I, I imagine, I haven't checked it, but I imagine it's kind of top 50. It's one of those films that seems to be really popular. That'd be my guess.
0: Okay, top 50. Anybody, any betters or worse?
2: I'd say it's, it's probably worse than that. I'd say it's in the 70s, maybe 74. And I, again, I didn't check, oh. so I don't
1: know. just guessing. Did it, um, did it? Did it? Did come in low and then uh, rise like a twelve-year-old stick? <laughs> uh, the,
0: the, the, and, and now we know. Now we know where Gotti got the language, line from. Beautiful.
3: You should. You should. You probably explain that joke. <laughs> probably should before
2: people
1: just chill out. <laughs> you probably should. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Without he, it's in the script, people. Context. <laughs>
2: that, that's not just
1: My first impression, <laughs> yeah.
2: Um,
0: Andrew. Yeah, and Andrew raising the tone of the conversation. Yeah, like I, I, a, I, might,
1: anyway. I might, I might get cancelled. Um, um, well, the to well needs plenty of bartenders. Uh-huh. Um, sorry, <laughs> I'll stop.
0: <laughs> no, you won't. This is just no, raising the won't. tone as we continue. <laughs> um,
3: um, you, you know you won't stop, Andrew. Lie.
0: But yes, so The Departed is number forty-four, the forty-fourth best movie of all time, according to IMDb. Number oh, is... forty-four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jay did oh, very did well, well there. there. Jay, almost
3: on the button. Remarkably yeah. well. I honestly yeah. didn't check. Um, and it's
0: also uh, his second highest-ranked movie, below Only Goodfellas, which is interesting.
3: Well, that that explains IMDb, though, doesn't it? <laughs>
0: It is a very IMDb
3: movie, like, yes.
0: Well, again, that's that broad appeal, yeah.
3: Yeah, it is. Like that's fine, but <laughs> yeah. it is, it is, yeah, oh, for sure. That's why it's not doing quite well. Um,
0: so yeah, uh, it is its its second highest rated movie according to IMDb. So that populist appeal is clearly still there. All right, then to get us all started, then uh, we're going to ask the three questions. Um, so, Eva, you go first. So, Eva, do you think that um, The Departed belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made?
2: Well, no. <laughs> Um,
0: <laughs> what?
2: No, I'm. I am pretty sure that there are 250 better films made out there in the world um, in existence. Absolutely, of course there are. You know, it's. Um, it's no. For, for me, it's, it's it's not one of his better films. I, I mean, as as Jay sort of alluded to, it is, a sort of Scorsese's greatest hits. You know, we, we've got. You know, it starts off with a voiceover, which they drop pretty quickly. Um, with Nicholson doing a voiceover, it has you know as you mentioned, it's got the, you know it's got the Rolling Stones, it's got the, the soundtrack, it's it's got a lot of just you know the Scorsese staples in there. But it just for me, it just doesn't work. I mean, there are moments where I really really enjoyed it, where I where I was gripped by the actual plot and sucked into the story. When I when I rewatched it there the other night, um, I did get sucked in towards the end when when. Um, all the forces were sort of coming together. All the plot threads were starting to come together. Um, I, I was gripped, but it took a long time to get there. You know, um, the, the biggest problem for me is is some of the casting. I think Nicholson is terrible in it. Um, I don't understand people's love for Mark Wahlberg in it. He's just a two-dimensional guy who swears a lot, as far as I can see, and um, for me like the best the best performance in it is DiCaprio. I think I think he's really, really good and he's really, really strong. And he sort of gets that that guy under so much intense pressure. He gets you know he, he really, really you know, get, gets that performance out. Um but there's it's it's too long, it's just too many sort of ridiculous coincidences in it. Um it just, just it just doesn't work for me at all, I'm afraid.
0: Um, it is worth noting, actually, when Scorsese picked up the Directors Guild Award on his kind of like path to Oscar glory, he did acknowledge in his acceptance speech that this was his first movie with a plot, um, which is yeah, is interesting. I think that's probably yeah. last.
2: <laughs> which is probably why why it's it's so it's so well liked, you know. I think that's probably why it is so popular is because it does that's have successful. a plot, yeah, and that's why it's probably why it's his probably his most mainstream film, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but it, you know. You know, and yes, he got the Oscars for it, but God, oh, there's so many other movies he should have got the Oscar for. And you know, like you say, they give it to him because you know
4: Yeah. The lifetime Achievement stage,
2: Award. Yeah, Lifetime Achievement Award, you know, which is ridiculous. I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm sort of annoyed he got the Oscar for this because it's not the film he deserved it for, you know.
0: Um, It is worth noting that actually in the stretch of films from uh, the six narrative films that he made between um, the gangs of New York and Wolf of Wall Street, the only one that didn't get a best picture nomination was actually Shutter Island, uh, which is interesting. It's like there was a time when the Oscars went through a phase of just nominating Marty's films for best picture, which Which is uh, is the best pop other than Wolf. I'd say it's the best one of those.
2: Yeah. I I love Shutter Island. I think, yeah, I I would would absolutely agree. I think that's one of his best films. Um, you know, it's interesting, and even when Scorsese plays the Oscar card, like with um
0: the elevator, perhaps,
2: Oh, the the Edith Horton thing, uh, a- Age of Innocence. You know, which is a wonderful. Like, you know, he he, you know, they, they just ignored him as well. You know, so it's you know, the you know, the guy just can't win. I think you know, it's it's very well, very unfortunate.
0: Well, this is probably the time to talk about this thing because, like, one of the interesting things about the Departed's Oscar win is that, like, its campaign strategy was the exact opposite of the campaign strategy that we talked about on, like, the the um, Gangs of New York. Where, like, on Gangs of New York, that was a Weinstein movie, so they went full throttle on it to yeah. the point where like apparently it was discovered that um robert wise wrote an essay in defense of scorsese or arguing for scorsese as winner that it was found had actually been written by an intern and just signed with robert wise's name mm-hmm. to give you an example of the controversies around <laughs> yeah again uh this is for gangs in new york so with the departed apparently warner warner brothers decided that they weren't going to do any press or publicity for it at all they weren't going to push it in fact they were actually pushing clint eastwood's letters from Iwo Jima. Um, as a potential winner or contender, um, and it was basically the departed somehow managed to get a grand swell of support. It earned something like four times the combined total of the other four nominees um, that year, which is again another example of kind of like the success and appeal that it had. And at Scorsese himself, and we'll probably talk about this more when we get it. Well, what were the nominees actually? Let's go to the fact machine because we haven't used that jingle in a while. <laughs> I'm curious, actually, because I, I actually can't, <laughs> I remember it being given
3: the award price. Right? Babel.
0: Babel was, was one of the other ones. Oh, God. Babel was okay. one of the other ones. <laughs> this is not a good list so far. I'm going to be. No. Honest. I'm going to read it so far. Yeah, so far. Okay. Well, okay, well, hold on, hold on. Ready? 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 And we're back from the fact machine. So, taking us yes. back into the heady days, it is January 23rd, 2007. At the Samuel Goldwyn Theater in Beverly Hills, California, Sid Ganis and Selma Hayek have announced the nominees for Best Picture. Those nominees are in no particular order: "Letters from Bajima" by Clint Eastwood, "Little Miss Sunshine," "The Queen," "Babel," "Oh Good Jesus," and "The Departed." That's a shocking
2: list. <laughs> <laughs> <Darwin>. Actually, he <laughs> <actually> deserved it.
0: <laughs> what?
3: That's a, yeah, like, honestly, he won by by default,
0: didn't he? <laughs> take that yeah, Scorsese well, let's for let's all party. your
2: hard work. <laughs> yeah. Actually, in fairness, with that list, you probably deserved it because that's just a terrible yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, no, that, that's not a great list. I do have no. some love for um, Little Miss Sunshine, but maybe if I watched it now, I'd be like, oh no. I quite like uh,
3: um, uh, Me your Team. I think it's probably the best one there of those.
0: I, I, I like I- you know, again, Darren being perfectly middle brow as is his way. I quite like Little Miss Sunshine and Letters from Iwo Jima. Um, I actually, hate, the, I yeah.
2: hated Little Miss Sunshine. Just...
0: <laughs> this just, year, just, it just It's not your
2: year. just, it just, it really rubbed me up the wrong way. That film. It just the,
0: the film that launched a thousand Sundance Indies. <laughs> I
2: know. It's uh, oh
0: God, it's just, it just
2: terrible? Like, like, like,
0: it's the reason why every Sundance indie has a dance <laughs> sequence in it now. Like that's oh, literally yeah. the reason. The uh, bane of it, my bloody life. <laughs> Uh, but yes, so so listeners can feel assured that we're not just picking on The Departed this week, it seems. No, no, but yeah, we've, been, uh,
3: we've got a bones pick for the whole year. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, 20, 2006, 2007 wasn't a great year, and actually wasn't a great year, but we'll talk about that in a little while for uh, Warner Brothers and their strategy with The Departed. But yes, so Scorsese himself also declined to do any press or publicity, apparently having reached the who cares stage of Oscar kind of like waiting to win. Um, he basically... He's talked in interviews about this, um, in particularly interviews that were given after the fact that he is not or he was not particularly happy with the production of The Departed. He apparently did not enjoy the process of making uh, The Departed. Apparently, what literally happened is the thing that often happens with Scorsese is that he ends up accidentally making a movie um, that he had necessarily planned on making rather than one that he wanted to make. Uh, Bill Monaghan wrote the script. Uh, Scorsese mentioned that he liked the script. Warner Brothers said, well, you can make this for $70 million and we can attach a bunch of young actors and we know Leo will work with you on this. So yeah, we'll give you the money to make The Departed. And Scorsese was like, oh wait, I'm not even sure I really want to, but apparently got kind of pushed into it. Nicholson showed up, was a a bit of a, um, the relationship on set with Nicholson and everybody else was, as anybody who has seen the film can probably imagine, intense, uh, where the younger actors yeah. like Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon generally said, well, you know, Nicholson brought his own energy and you never knew what he was going to do. And that was really great as an actor because it kept you on your back foot. Whereas older actors like Way Winston described it as one of the most nightmarish experiences of their lives. They hated it. At Winston. I remember reading it. Then. Oh yeah Winston absolutely loathed working with Nicholson apparently um Scorsese himself has described this as moral ground zero where even he kind of got a bit worn out by the tropes and conventions that Andrew's noted of his films where he felt like there wasn't any character that he was particularly rooted rooting for or attached to uh in fact the level of kind of without getting too spoilery the ending of the film also left him on a bit of a downer and he had also wanted to do silence instead this was around the time where Scorsese's one big remaining passion project was silence. And he'd apparently had been trying to get silence made, but managed to make the departed instead and was apparently very worn out and very frustrated by that. Um, But yes, so he was not particularly kind of pleased with the production of it at the time. In hindsight, he says he thinks it's a good film, and he stands by it, and he's really glad that he won the Oscar for it. But yeah, coming out of it, there's a real sense of Scorsese being very kind of tired and worn out, and it not necessarily being the film that he wanted to make. And I think a lot of people, including, say, Richard Brody at The New Yorker, who would not be the biggest fan of The Departed, uh, and in fact would be quite down on The Departed, has argued that the best thing about The Departed is that it, freed scorsese in a lot of ways and that it got a lot of this out of his system this sort of organized crime stuff perhaps or kind of a certain style of organized crime stuff out of his kind of like yeah, I think know, poker. focus and it also allowed him to win the oscar which he'd been chasing for forever and therefore allowed him to be fulfilled and let him do interesting projects or different projects um for example afterwards he went off he it took him four years to make another movie when he came back with Island, which is a little genre piece But in the meantime, he directed a rake of uh, documentaries. Um, He'd always been doing documentaries and, in fact, had been kind of splitting time between features and documentaries. But the gap between um, The Departed and Shutter Island is absolutely packed with Scorsese going off and making documentaries about bands, about music, just interviewing with celebrities, um, you know, letters to Ilya Kazan, for example, stuff like that. So it kind of freed him up to do what he wanted to do. And that's kind of like Richard Brody's big defense of The Departed. Um, All right, then. And Jay... What about yourself? Yes. Do you think the depart no. okay.
3: <coughs> just No, it does not. Uh no. No. Um it's fine but no.
0: It's okay. Okay, I can live with fine. And Andrew, what about yourself?
1: Um yeah, no, I I I I agree with Corsese that it's it's um it's not um
0: He liked the film, he just didn't like making it.
1: No, but that th- 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 that it is a um um a a real bummer like like it's 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 going to be the same answer for your next question um, (laughs) um, i'm reading
0: the room here
1: (laughs) yeah and and i yeah i i i i agree with i agree with Aoife as well i probably liked Mark Wahlberg a little bit more just because um like i disliked him um, a little bit more than I than I did watching it first this time around, but it's still kind of, um, um, it's still, it's still quite a sort of a memorable role. And the, 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 I can't think of, I can't think of other people who might have played that better. Um, it feels like the, the sort of thing that he's, he's, he's meant to be like not somebody likable, um, I guess.
0: Um, and... We had to have at least two actual Bostonians in the film, uh, you know. And we hired Matt Damon, so who else were going to? Exactly. Hire? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I, I, think Ben Affleck would have been bad, um, <laughs> in, in, in this. But yeah, the. I'm sure there's loads of, of Bostonians you could have had, um, but no, I I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't put it in the top ten. You know.
0: All right. Um, And for myself, no. Um, I think you might get away with an argument if there were fewer Scorsese movies on the list and you wanted a representative one or kind of like one that had to carry a bunch of weight for other stuff, kind of similar to what I said with Casino. And I think there's an argument for a popular and well liked Scorsese film that exemplifies what audiences had gradually come to like about Scorsese movies. Oh, we have Goodfellas. Yeah, I I know that's that's what I'm saying. I'm saying like if there <laughs> yeah, were is, fewer right? if there were fewer Scorsese movies yeah. on there, you could justify maybe it being there. I think that and with if as many
1: Goodfellas wasn't was never was not only not on the list but was never made. Like if we were looking to put <laughs> one on the list and Goodfellas is there, <laughs> we'd have to put that on. I yeah. still wouldn't put it on, but
0: yeah. <laughs> Wow. Okay. But yeah. Okay, fine. I, I like, right. yeah, we'll talk in a moment about, we'll get to the we second will. round of questions. But like, I think if you were making an argument for The Departed and its place here, we talked a bit on like Gangs of New York about the wonderful wide-eyed innocence of Martin Scorsese as a man trying to judge like audience tastes. Wherever Scorsese got like a couple of hundred million or a large budget and was told go wild and wanted to make a movie that in his own estimation would rival the work of Spielberg, Coppola or Lucas, appropriately enough, the three men who gave him the Oscar, he would go and he would make something as crazy and as audience alienating as like New York, New York um, or Gangs of New York. And kind of wonder why people didn't turn out to see it in their droves. And be completely confused by the fact that audiences just weren't quite on the wavelength for that kind of movie. And I think that uh, what I like about The Departed is that it's, you know, it's the flip side of the he's playing all the hits or he's playing to the gallery aspect of it. Is that by this stage in 2006, Scorsese had been around long enough that... He inspired a wave of copycats and imitators, and particularly in the late 90s, people like, say, Paul Thomas Anderson uh, with Boogie Nights, for example, also starring Mark Wahlberg. And I suspect maybe something the casting alludes to, or even things like, say, um, James Mangold and Copland, where he cast literally the Scorsese repertoire company and Sylvester Stallone for some reason in a movie that is much, much better than it should be. So, what I would say for the departed in defense of the departed is that it feels good to see Scorsese make what feels like a Scorsese pastiche and to make it at a time where cinematic tastes had changed enough. That this was not seen as something that was strange, weird, out there, or abhorrent, and instead something that mass audiences could glom onto. Like I love the fact that this is probably by default my parents' favourite Martin Scorsese movie, which is probably not unrelated given the demographics to it being the Scorsese movie that won Best Picture. I can see that. So I think maybe at a push if I were absolutely forced to defend it I would make that argument. Um, I still don't think that it should be on the list um, despite making that argument. But anyway, so Aoife... Would this be on your own personal 250, your own personal 250 favorite movies ever?
2: Um, no, um, I mean it's not that it's a bad film. It's just that it's not a good Scorsese film. You know, I think any other director would have been, you know, would, would, it would have been, I would have been. Yeah, that's a pretty decent film. But it just, I think with just Scorsese, you know, you have certain expectations. Um, I mean, I was sort of writing some notes when, when I was watching the film, and one of them was, you know why didn't Ben Affleck direct this, you know, and, um, or, or why, why, why aren't I watching State of Grace instead? You know, which, which I think is a, is a better film than this, or certainly a more entertaining film than this. Um, no, I mean, you know, 250 is very small number one. when you consider all the films that that have ever been made ever. And I think, um, that certainly this wouldn't, wouldn't get into my, my top 250. Um, I mean, the biggest problem with it for me is Nicholson. I mean, I would have, I would have expected um, a director as strong as Scorsese to be able to rein in Nicholson, and it just looks like he wasn't able to do that. Nicholson overacts for, for a lot of the film, um, and you know, um, you know. But as, as you described, it was a very, very unhappy sort of circumstances in making the film. So obviously, there might have been some tension there between Scorsese and Nicholson, and. Um, and he, Nicholson just did his usual shtick, you know, making his gurning faces and just, you know, playing to the audiences that he usually does. So uh, for me, that that's one of the biggest problems with the film is, is Nicholson.
0: We will have lots of Nicholson stories in the spoiler zone, I assure you. Uh, undoubtedly and then the just actually following up on that very quickly you mentioned like ben affleck should have directed this yeah this is basically ground zero for the gritty boston crime movie wave that would follow including gone baby gone and the yeah. town and various other ones as well yeah so yeah yeah, even
2: state of grace that i mentioned yeah which, yeah. which i think is the a Phil really Channel solid film,
0: film. i mean it's
3: way back when
2: yeah, yeah. with yeah. sean penn and gary olman and ed harris you know i think that that's a that's a great entertaining sort of, genre of film you know and it tells a similar-ish story in undercover cop, but um, I think it's set in New York rather than Boston. I, but it's again, it's, it's Irish I gangsters. Kind of
3: find, and... I'm not fussed with pretty much any of the Boston crime films. To be
0: quite honest with you, <laughs> um, have you seen that kind of is it the Seth Meyers video Boston accent, uh, which is just basically oh, all yeah. of these it's blended together, um, including <laughs> the British actor attempting a questionable Boston accent. He's wicked smart but we're wicked smarter. Um, but yes. Um, and also, yeah. just on that actually, because you mentioned State of Grace maybe being set in New York. Fun fact about The Departed, despite the fact that it kicked off this wave of Boston crime movies, most of it was actually shot in New York for tax purposes um yeah, because yeah. New York had tax incentives and Boston did not so outside of a couple of exterior external establishing shots including the state building because of course um a lot of the interiors were actually built on sets or shot in New York including various alleyways and in fact actually the success of the departed inspired Boston to set up a tax credit system to encourage people to shoot locally uh which is kind of one of the interesting financial legacies of of the movie uh but Jay what about yourself would this be on your own personal 250? Uh it would not uh I I
3: no, um, just I, 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 I'm not a fan of nearly all of the Boston crime films. I think they're all kind of <laughs> terrible. But um,
0: would this be near the top of the pile?
3: Uh, that's it. If you let's just call let's just call it a flat pile. That like, is, a is bit this back. is this
0: like it's to yeah. the <laughs> it's, it's like say say the crime say the Boston crime movies are like the 2007 Best Picture nominees. Like, does The Departed fare better in con in context? Can we include Goodwill Hunting? <laughs> like.
1: Can you I uh, would, would would does Mystic River go in there? Yes,
0: yes Mystic River goes in there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, cuz that, that was before this. So maybe 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 that's what hit uh, what started the 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 Boston kind of um uh and,
3: and and the 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 appeals for overacting with Sean Penn. Uh so that that's where Nicholson got it from probably as well. Uh
1: yeah, got tons. I think didn't Mystic River get tons of um, Oscar
0: nominations as well? Like...
3: It did. It did. I'm not sure what year, but it did. Yeah,
0: 2003, 2004. Uh, but it didn't make nearly as much money, and it didn't. Is that my win. daughter in there? Uh, it was
2: <laughs> the book Mystic River and the Duke Island were written by the same guy,
0: Dennis Lehane. Dennis Lehane.
3: Yeah, Dennis yeah. Lehane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I, I know. No, no for <laughs> no for this, no for no for uh Gone Baby Gone, no for the town. None of them deserve to be in the top two fifty. Just you know, for future episodes we want to cover. Oh, okay, in. so
1: so, so yeah, I mean, we can just sort of slop this no, no.
0: Andrew, what about yourself? Would this be in your own personal two fifty?
1: No, it is. Um, it, it really, really did bum me out um, watching it yesterday. In fairness to the movie, it's probably better than my um, watch of it yesterday because, because, because I couldn't find this on Netflix, Amazon Prime, or on uh, YouTube. I ended up watching on on Apple uh, TV. <laughs> um, and rather than that trying to put it on interface. a screen, I just watched it on my tiny phone. Um, Somewhere, Scorsese so just... had a,
0: like an itch in the back of his it head; is... and didn't know why.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about how much Scorsese must hate that I'm watching it like this. Um. So yeah, yeah. It, it, but but I don't I don't think it would anyway. It's just it's 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 rough. Um. Yeah. It, it, it it's. It, it like it's it's not um i mean it 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 it's exciting but it's kind of gross you know um and 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 it's weird like, to 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 hear scorsese talk about kind of the movie um about 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 him feeling like like it, it was it was kind of a moral ground zero or 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 that it, it was really uh, bleak, because uh, like because he made it, and there was so much about it that I figured like yeah that that's in there because it's a Scorsese movie, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like the yeah. the, the some some of the kind of mean spiritedness of, um, I guess like like I'd feel the same way about Casino, um, and bits of that, um, but especially here I think.
0: Yeah, this is odd, because I, I, I would generally consider The Departed to be a lighter movie in many ways than his other gangster films. Then say, Go you on. know, Goodfellas.
3: <laughs> then say, Goodfellas. Then I, I actually do as well, to, to a point. I take Andrew's point, but I do as well.
0: Goodfellas, Casino... Um, the irishman even wolf of wall street i find the departed is a funner watch if that makes sense which is probably a much heavier
3: film so i would agree
0: that's it exactly yeah this is much lighter on its face yes there are some
1: brutal moments in this movie though that 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 wouldn't wouldn't even belong in some of the other movies you've mentioned
0: fair we'll probably talk about those in the spoiler zone but yeah i I don't know I, i find this more kind of like a genre exercise than those if that makes sense and so kind of like a bit pulpier uh, and a bit, I think, as Eva mentioned, the fact that it has a plot and the fact the plot relies on contrivances makes it feel a little bit lighter or more nimble on its feet for me in some ways. I am not saying The Departed is better than Goodfellas or Casino, to be clear, just in case, just before anybody jumps in there. Uh, but no, I, I find it a bit nimbler on its feet uh, and a bit of an easier watch in some senses, perhaps. Um, but yes, uh, and for myself, this is the shameful part where I admit that uh, when I was a much younger man all of 10 years ago, uh, when I was ranking my movies of the twenty tens, uh, *The Departed* landed neatly in my top ten of the first decade of the twenty first century. Um, Jesus, I know. Well, I, you know, I was a younger man back then. It was a very, very different time. In fact, in hindsight, I will admit that it wasn't I was that wrong. different.
1: You were still making lists <laughs> about movies.
0: <laughs> I was making lists, not podcasting about this. Um, yeah. But yes, but no. I mean it, in, in hindsight i will say i got a couple of things right and a couple of things wrong in that list first of all i put infernal affairs higher than the departed which i i think stands um and i think that uh if i remember correctly i also put the prestige as one of the best movies of the decade so i mean hey it all bounced so swings wrong, and yeah. roundabouts um but yeah probably the departed maybe at a push make my own personal list but it'll be down the bottom skirt the edge of it um and only because it's i found it quite rewatchable as these movies go all right then and final round of question before we jump into the spoiler zone Eva, hmm. if listeners have not seen The Departed if they haven't watched it yet would you recommend that they pause the podcast stay at home and find a way of watching The Departed um because it is quite inaccessible on streaming media at the moment
2: um I suppose I would say I mean obviously it's a very popular film so um I mean the fact that I'm not a fan doesn't mean that other people aren't going to enjoy it um I think it's probably a good entry point for people into Scorsese. Uh, Maybe if if watching this, if if they enjoyed watching this, it might lead them on to other Scorsese films. Um, I certainly think it's one of his weaker films. But yeah, why not give it a go? I mean, you can't go wrong. It'll entertain you for two hours and 20 minutes, but it's, it's not vintage Scorsese for me.
0: By the way, I feel like we should let listeners know now I did not invite Eva on here and subject her to the departed. It was Jay's idea that uh, Eva sort of. I be, did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, if I'm going to suffer, Eva, you're going to
3: suffer. How these <laughs> things work. You know I mean? um, <laughs>
0: yeah, just in case listeners <laughs> are wondering right. why we inflicted <laughs> this on Eva. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: no, but I, I'm no, I, I'm glad. I'm glad I watched this. It. It's it's just been you know it's, it's a long time since I've seen it, and. Um, you know when i saw it in the cinema like i said before i enjoyed it but each subsequent watch has just gotten worse and worse for me you know and it just doesn't you know there are there are moments that are great and moments where i was gripped but just overall it just doesn't hold up for me at so all.
0: so even on this rewatch it was worse than on last rewatch
2: um yeah i think so um i mean like i said there would, you that there are towards the end it does become very very gripping and uh, you get caught up in the plot you get caught up in, in the machinations of the plot um but for me it's not as immersive as other scorsese films uh, for some reason it doesn't feel um it's like you know when you watch Goodfellas, you can tell that he he knows these people he knows these characters and yeah. he immerses you in their world with this it just feels totally different it, it you know it doesn't feel like he, he's he's that engaged i think
0: um, and then, uh, well, uh, again, I am sorry for making you watch a movie that you disliked well, no, even no, 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 more no. than the last time you were there. Um, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> and Jay, <laughs> would you recommend yes. that people who haven't seen The Departed uh, rewatch this? Or not rewatch this, watch uh,
3: this. Yeah, I guess. I, would, I mean, I wouldn't be running to my phone to watch it. On <laughs> Apple or whatever to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean. Sure, I mean, it's, if you like that kind of thing. Sorry, that sounds, sounds really kind of it's negative. I think it's it sounds really yeah, passive
0: aggressive. If you're into that sort of thing, not like me. If you like, yeah, yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> no, it's not.
3: It's all right. I, I kind of yeah, love.
0: Yeah. I love when our AC experts like, yeah, sure, watch it if you're into that sort of thing. Um, but yes, and then. That's oh, great. Like, I mean, yeah, watch it. Like, yeah, and see if I care. <laughs>
2: It, it it reminds me of a review of tennis. Is that if if you like Chris Nolan films, you like tennis.
0: So there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. Um, and Andrew, as somebody who has had an interesting relationship with uh, Martin Scorsese films, yeah, like,
1: like I um, I admire Scorsese films, um, even 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 though like I find myself enjoying them, even though they're not my thing. Like they're not not one thing to kind of like define myself by liking Scorsese movies yeah. but yeah. liking them in spite of us, You know? Yeah. But, um um and this this I guess is no different. And it it's um it it is it is it, it it's it's enjoyable and like I kind of had a go at it when we were talking about it, like whether it be my own two fifty about um how brutal it is. But I think like Maybe in a broader sense that's some of the strength of us um as in like the stuff that really stuck with me about this movie it's is is some of the like most um uh, rough um uh scenes in us so um and, and 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 it is a lot of fun it it is it is gripping so yeah no i'd i'd, I'd recommend it if a person hasn't seen this to watch it because they, they'll, they'll probably like it a lot, um, a lot more than we did.
0: <laughs> Except for me.
1: Um, I think, I think there'd be a good chance.
0: Like,
1: oh, like, like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, are watch it and they didn't in, enjoy it as much as we did the first time, yeah. you know, <laughs> um,
0: um, through more innocent yeah. eyes. Um, right. And I, uh, i wholeheartedly would recommend it um i genuinely uh really really like and really almost love the departed i don't think it's top tier scorsese i think it's probably his most accessible or at least the most accessible of the major scorsese uh if you are willing to categorize it as such um in that it's all of his tropes all of his conventions all the stuff that he's interested in uh but played in a way that has a plot and so is easier to kind of slide yourself into than perhaps some of the, the more kind of abstract or confrontational things. This is probably an easier way in than something like Taxi Driver or even as much as I love a casino. Um, Andrew's probably right. Goodfellas is probably even more accessible. But still, I, I think that there's a lot to recommend it. All right. With that in mind, then, we will segue neatly into the Spoiler Zone.
1: Spoiler Zone.
0: So, Eva. What is The Departed about for you?
2: I suppose it's about you know there's uh, there's a few themes running through it, like but there's certainly a father-son relationship theme with um, uh, with the Martin Sheen character and Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio, and also um, Frank Costigan and just Sullivan. You know that that sort yeah. of father-son themes there. Um, there's also. Um, a lot of themes about sort of duality um you know so we're watching you know these two guys o'sullivan and so that's the matt damon character and then the DiCaprio character uh, going through similar yeah costume going through similar um experiences they're both they're both pretending to be somebody that they're not so they're, they're both sort of undercover um and you know the film sort of shows that the pressure it puts both of them under, and the, the immense pressure puts both of them under. And I think that could have been, really a much much stronger theme than it was in the film. And um, I thought if Krasinski had delved into the psychological aspects of that a lot more, it would have been very very interesting. Um, obviously the um, obviously e. Costigan goes to to see a psychiatrist, um, who happens to be the the girlfriend of. Um, Matt Damon's character. So you've got this whole again, this whole sort of duality thing, and um, where these lives are, are sort of parallel to each other, um, and you know and that that's really really interesting. But it just doesn't, um, just, it just doesn't go deep enough into that for me. I thought it could be much 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 more interesting if if he had to have done that instead of just making it just another genre piece. Um,
0: What's interesting there actually just a, a couple of things about the duality thing that you mentioned because it I one of the things that I find interesting about it and particularly on rewatching it is so many of Scorsese's films, and we've remarked on this, are kind of focused on subcultures and sub in particular, say, obviously, the Italian-American community, which he grew up in, obviously, Goodfellas Casino, that sort of stuff. And particularly, like, we, I think we mentioned, we talked about Casino, the idea that Scorsese's interested in outsiders that. So, like, in um, Goodfellas, Henry Hill is part Irish and therefore excluded from being made, or, you know, Sam Rothstein is Jewish and so forth, excluded from the kind of, like, inclusion of the mob. What I think is, is interesting about The Departed is that it takes like a recognizable Scorsese subgenre which is the crime film which is you know something he's been making going back to mean streets and obviously you know through through Goodfellas through Casino and so on and then filtered it through the lens of the Irish experience which was a huge part of Gangs of New York and what I think is is interesting is that you get perhaps a contrast between Scorsese's understanding of say the italian-american community even as an observer um when he grew up in it um kind of looking through the window as he remarked or kind of watching through a telescope versus the irish-american experience that you have here which and and in gangs of new york uh, where he's much more of an outsider to it but i think what i find interesting about the department in that context is the sense in which if scorsese's movies are about outsiders the way that he handles the Irish Americans in both Gangs of New York um, and here is that he looks at them as outsiders who manage to effectively integrate um, or kind of assimilate, as it were, into... Dominate. Dominate, yeah, pretty much. um, Like, infiltrate into, like, the structures of overarching society. I mean, you know, cost those big opening speeches... Yeah, like,
1: it, it doesn't feel there's anyone
0: after them aside from themselves. Yeah.
1: You know?
0: Yeah. So you have Coslo talking about how you know They're
1: they're 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 all in there there's no kind of distinction between the the um the, the yeah, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't feel like any of the organized uh, crime kind of aspects have anything to kind of worry about and they don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because they're they're so integrated into everything else. I mean they are both cops and criminals. Why choose to be a cop or a criminal when you can choose to be both? Um and you have yeah, Coslo make Okay. Yeah, they
1: no, sorry. No, no, just, just just exactly that. That they have just as much to be worried about. Like that did they, they, if you're a cop you're looking around your kind of um um you're looking behind you as well, kind of you're watching your back. Um that the did the sense that you got in Goodfellas of the panic yeah. um that Henry Hill feels is just shared by everyone.
0: Yeah. Whether you're an undercover cop or whether um, you're pretending to be a cop, yeah. Um, And that's sort of like, and even the fact that, you know, Quinlan, the character played by Martin Sheen, isn't protected by his badge, even though he's as straight a cop as possible. But I mean, it's also even the idea that, you know, for Scorsese looking at it, it almost feels like the Irish give up some of their Irishness or some of their distinct kind of ethnic identity in order to infiltrate. So for example, like in Gangs of New York, the strategy that gets the irish protected is by like electing sheriffs for example um or by kind of taking control of city office or becoming kingmakers in local elections and here you have the idea you have like the film opens with this juxtaposition of like race riots um in boston and like actual civic unrest and you have coslo talking about other ethnic groups so he talks and this is the racism that andrew very clearly alluded to and quite correctly but where he alludes to the italian american community and the knights of columbus and then he alludes the African-Americans as well, and argues that like what distinguishes the Irish from that is that like within a couple of generations, the Irish, you know, famously figured out how to put a man in the White House, so to speak, uh, in that there hasn't been an Italian-American uh, president of the United States yet, for example. Uh, but also even the the fact that, you know, they become, you have the sequence where Sullivan, uh, sorry, where, yeah, where Sullivan is sitting down and he's kind of like after the match with the firemen just staring at the state building and the state building becomes an incredibly obvious symbol uh, in case you don't get it where he moves into the apartment. It's like, oh, you can see the state building from here. It's like, yes, I will move into this apartment uh, for no reason whatsoever in case you don't get what I literally have my eye on. And we'll talk about some obvious symbolism later on, I suspect as well, because there is a lot of very obvious symbolism. But what yeah the rat symbolizes obviousness but don't worry we're going to come back to that one um but also (laughs) but also like just the idea that like sullivan is that he's the son of a janitor and he's a policeman and it's like he will be able to make the leap to being you know a legislator or a mayor at one point um as sort of madeline jokes and the idea i think what i like about the department is the suggestion that while this is a strategy that works to a certain extent in that like you know obviously Costello is allowed to do what he does with impunity and the fact that Sullivan despite being a you know not really that sharp if we're being entirely honest Sullivan is you know maybe not the brightest tool in the shed uh, but he manages to kind of like stay ahead of everybody chasing him through kind of guile and quick-wittedness and a little bit of kind of like Irish charm but the cost of that is that there is a cost that comes with giving up your identity like that. That you have, obviously, what Billy Hostigan is going through, but also what, what Sullivan's going through as well, where by giving up that identity in order to assimilate or in order to integrate, uh, you lose something to yourself and it becomes an identity crisis that you don't really see other Scorsese protagonists have. In that, like, even Ace Rothstein, when he's integrating into the, into the mob, or even Henry Hill, who does something... Like, Henry Hill does something similar. That sequence where he hides the crucifix... Uh, before he meets Karen's parents so that he can fit in perfectly with them is exactly the same sort of thing as well. And you could argue that like Frank Sheehan in The Irishman, who, who like Frank Sheehan's defining attribute in The Irishman is that he has no determination or no free will or no ambition or no like set of what he actually wants. He's just a vessel for everybody else's ambition. You have this idea that, you know, in that sense, giving up part of yourself will inevitably lead to something resembling a breakdown, a nervous breakdown. You know, that, that joke that they make about well, Sigmund it, Freud and the Irish being impervious to psychoanalysis.
1: Well, is, is Sullivan... Is, is, I was just kind of like watching the movie and taught this a number of times, and maybe it's not subtle at all, or maybe I'm like reading something that's not there, but it is, is is Sullivan pretending to be straight?
0: That is one reading of the film, yes. That is a, a yeah. There's a reading of the film so they, they,
1: they, it seems like like the, that you have this stuff at the beginning where it, like um he's just kind of um like a non sequitur. He's sitting and starts talking about like how the how the, um the, the firefighters are um the firefighters are are gay um
0: etc. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, and then and then later like like with with um, with Madeline. Um with yeah, yeah. And 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 with Baldwin as well, when he's saying he's saying like, Oh, you better get married, um, yeah, it's 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 good because like it proves you're not gay. And he's saying like and it is like uh, and your dick works dick work. It's like yeah it's like, oh yeah, working overtime. Your dick works like um, working overtime. Overtime. And it, that that like like and obviously it's very clear that, that nothing is happening between himself and Madeline yeah. and that the child is probably
0: Billy's, um,
1: Billy's, Almost definitely
0: Billy's. Um, Can I just add, in terms of obvious symbolism, yeah. I love the fact that when Madeline has that conversation about how it's very common and guys get very sensitive about it, um, she's literally peeling an, a banana, just in case you don't get the symbolism of what's being discussed. The banana symbolises obviousness. What?
1: <laughs> Sometimes a banana is just a banana. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um.
0: But yeah, no, that is, that is one of the readings is that yes, is that uh, Sullivan is is closeted, um, is extremely closeted as well. Um, Scorsese's also implied that there's uh, implications of some sort of abuse there in the background as well, whether involving Costello or involving the priests as well, uh, which is a whole messy thing. I that's... certainly
1: felt that the first time.
0: Yeah,
1: why, why, watch, watching that, that seemed very, very strong. like And, and, and it might have like i i didn't I didn't get the sense that it came from Costello at all because Costello always seemed like he he hated the church for that, yes. and that might have the, the, like accounted for some of the kind of him seeing Costello as this kind of hero because somebody to stand up to the people who would abuse them, maybe yes. um and when 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 he looks at a kind of state building, I kept thinking kind of is 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 that a church is he looking that he's looking at um yes.
0: No, I think there's, I think there's a lot going on there that's kind of that is more interesting than than it's frequently given credit for. Um, I think that there's a lot to unpack there. I also think the movie doesn't go into a lot of that in any real depth. that leaves it largely implied and unsaid, and it's probably for the best in terms of dealing with things like child abuse and stuff like that. Um, in that I'm, I'm not entirely sure that or even like race. Yeah, yeah. Also that like
1: the, the stuff you did the the, the the really kind of cursory kind of mention of it at the beginning, and it's not even setting the movie where it's going to um all kind of take place it's referring back to things that happened like in the in the 60s and 70s and then it's like shoot to the present um and it doesn't really kind of carry on those themes at all
0: i think that again i think the movie repeatedly draws attention to the fact that everybody involved is irish but yes it doesn't continue its interrogation of like other themes or the fact that it relates to african-americans or to italian-americans experience I do think that the Irishness is constantly brought up.
3: I think I think that's my if I'm if I'm honest. And Andrew's kind of yeah. kind of said what I, partly what I was going to say. I think the the problem I have with the film is that it's a in reality it's a film about impotence and uh, queerness and kind of your own identity with a really awkward thriller plot slapped on top of it, and. I don't think they work together. And I don't think the film ever really resolves what it wants to be in that regard. I like I don't particularly care for the thriller aspects of it, personally. I, like Once you've seen it once, there's nothing really that interesting going on in that regard that yeah, you haven't or if you knew from the previous film. But I think there's an interesting film going on underneath that. And a kind of psychosexual drama kind of thing that I think is really interesting and interests me. The parts that interest me are that, that that's a more of a Scorsese film. I think it's more what he's really interested in. And the rest of it is just he, when Ethan mentioned earlier on that, he doesn't seem he know this area as well as he knew in previous films. I think that applies in the sense of that he wants to get into something a little more darker, a little weirder, but then the constraints of A, the script or B, the studio money or whatever, and you just kind of become compromised to some degree. And the film, though, I think, is compromised in that regard, this, personally.
0: This is interesting because a lot of the sexual stuff was actually added by Nicholson um, and then was added by... Well, I,
3: I would imagine some of that. I think that the Nicholson performance is interesting. I think it's kind of... I think I kind of half agree with Ethan that it's too big and too Nicholson and all the rest of it. But also, it adds a weirdness to it, yeah. which I think suits the underlying elements of the film. Like the the particularly the dildo in the, the porn movie studio, which is just a remarkably weird scene. And again, it's a it's a Jack yeah, it Nicholson special. like Yeah, it is. It is. And like but I do think it's 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 pointed, yeah. literally, I figured. It yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I think they're, I think I think, if I remember correctly, De Niro was supposed to play that part, and he had. No, he was in Italy or something. He had. Uh, what's it not? I need to do. He was he directing. He of, was
0: directing *The Good Shepherd*. He was supposed to play the part of Quinlan. Yes. um, For example, um, he wasn't supposed to. I don't think he was ever intended for Quinlan. Sorry, I don't think that. Oh, okay. I don't think All that right. he was ever intended for um, the role of. Sorry for the role of Coslo. I think Pacino was actually considered no. for the I role. I think Pacino of Coslo. would be great in it.
3: I'd I agree. No one seen Pacino in The Irishman would suggest uh, a controlled performance in that way would have been really interesting.
1: Well, no, I I think he would have he would have went a bit kind of um, he would have done. He wouldn't have gone full hua. No, yeah, yeah, Yeah. but but he certainly would have kind of been been able to bring the kind of intensity that um, yes that some sometimes kind of like De Niro can kind of lack, I guess.
0: but what is kind of interesting in terms of that stuff? Well, first of all, the the dildo scene was apparently, um, and this is a nice little detail, the dildo scene was apparently something that, that Nicholson came up with, but apparently led to a sequence where, um, based on previous experience with Nicholson, Scorsese had to ring Matt Damon up the night before and say, um, and apparently uh, Matt Damon does an amazing uh, sort of uh, Marty impression, but just say, just, just so you know, uh, Matt, tomorrow... Uh, Nicholson is going to brandish a giant dildo at you and I uh, I thought that you should know that ahead of time and apparently Matt Damon's like thanks, thanks Marty I, I really appreciate you giving me the call there uh, because apparently Scorsese uh, so apparently Nicholson had improvised the earlier se- well, the earlier shot sequence uh, where he's at the table with Billy Costigan uh, sorry with Billy uh, yeah Costigan with the DiCaprio's character the sequence where they're kind of together and Nicholson goes full Nicholson and does the I smell a rat and the little chewing thing yeah, but yeah. apparently Apparently that the prop guys warned DiCaprio before they shot that scene that Nicholson had apparently sourced a fire extinguisher, um, a prop bug and a gun loaded with blanks um, for the sequence. Now, we never get to see what he had planned with the fire extinguisher, uh, but apparently yes, he was apparently when they shot that scene or improvised that scene, um, Scorsese was worried that he'd actually pull the trigger on the gun with the blanks, which if you're close to somebody's face is incredibly dangerous. Um, so apparently, yes, after that, he felt the need to contact Damon and say, just so you're aware, in case Nicholson comes at you with a giant dildo tomorrow. just has yeah, a loaded dildo. <laughs>
3: yeah. and, and I think with what irks me about the Nicholson performance and SightNad is that there's a sense that there's quite a few, I don't know if this is true or not, but the sense of it is that there's quite a few ad-libs in there.
1: Yeah. It feels yeah. like at, it, yeah. Like later minutes. in that scene,
3: I just I think it just don't make really any sense, and I I understand they're going for character, or whatever, but it just it it kind of pulls me out of the movie at certain points, and that's like that really that really bugged me.
2: Yeah, I think his performance is, is like like I, like I already said that his performance is pretty bad. Like I agree with you, Jay, that it does sort of pull you out of the movie. Um, because you feel like you're watching a performance, you're not you're not you know you're not engaged in in the performance You're you're actually watching a performance and not just a performance but a jack Nicholson performance you know we, we've seen him do this sometimes before you
1: know and it's it's stale and it's tired and it's boring you know so
4: i find
1: i find that caprio seems always appears to me uncomfortable in a scene that includes um improvisation as well um i've seen i've seen the kind of like look in his eyes where he's like, "Oh, you're improvising." What am I gonna do? Um, where he's sort of, sort of like grinning awkwardly, or maybe that's exactly what you do in this situation, where somebody is behaving like.
2: <laughs> well, I, I think that works for this um, film, though, because you know he's he's in an uncomfortable situation, and he's out of his he's out of yeah. his depth for a lot of the time, and he's just winging it. So I think it sort of works. Uh, I think that's why I think
3: his performance is the best one in the film. I I, I will I want to go to Bath for the Wahlberg performance. I think it's great, personally speaking. Um, I
0: I quite like the Wahlberg. You know, that was almost Ray Liotta. I,
3: yeah, well, I, I think Wahlberg, to some degree, pockets the film in a role that I was remarkably stunned that he could pull off. Oh, yeah. And I know it's kind of broad and it's simple, but it... it the lines he's given are dynamite. They're probably the best lines in the film. Apparently a lot of uh, that was improvised. great. Apparently that was... Really? What was yeah, I don't on. Know. He, was,
0: he was told that he could improvise. But that, I,
3: I think he does it well. I, I, I really like him in it. Uh, and I like him on screen. I think him and Baldwin tend to... Bounce off each kind other. ...are the best low-key kind of performance in it. Like, they're really, really good. Baldwin has done a couple of films with Scorsese. Now. He's in The Aviator as well. And he's he's good. He's like, Scorsese can get something out of him that I really like.
0: An actual performance um, rather than a character yes um, what i will say before we move off nicholson and darling um two quick things first of all is that it was that sequence with the dildo in the porn theater that inspired uh matt damon apparently this was all a very collaborative mechanism in fact the writer was actually on set as well to rework the script in real time in accordance with this stuff but apparently it was after matt damon discovered that nicholson was heavily pushing for this kind of like dildo slash kind of like you know sex aspect of the film it was damon who came up with the idea that his character would be impotent um that was apparently his big push and the idea was that i should lose every fight that he's in that sullivan should lose every fight that he's in in the movie that basically so if you want that contrast between Costello and sullivan um and also the fact that yeah nicholson um i will in a moment argue in defense of nicholson i'm actually quite fond of nicholson's performance <laughs> here um but it is it is worth noting that like he was very. We talked a little bit, I think, on Raging Bull about Scorsese's general discomfort with actual sex scenes. There's a lot of psychosexual tension in Scorsese yes. movies, but generally not a lot of sex. And in fact, actually, it's notable that, like, The Departed is one of the rare examples of it where you have several sequences of Costello being quite explicitly sexual. Um, and that was apparently all Nicholson's idea, including things like the sequence where he breaks Costigan's cast and hammers him with the shoe while screaming, Are you a rapt? And then goes off with his girlfriend. Apparently the girlfriend being there um, was Nicholson's idea. Or the wife being there, Gwen. Um, But also even things like the sex scene. Where apparently there was a bit of argument between Nicholson and Scorsese in post-production. About how much of the sex scene would stay. And how much of it would go. um, Which is is interesting. Um, Because you do get a real sense. Like reading about the Departed you get a sense that like. Scorsese got more than he asked for with Nicholson. Um, he really got more oh, yeah. and I,
3: I, that's why I kind of I kind of half agree I'm rarely defensive but I'm half I kind of half agree with you and half agree with Aoife that it's both kind of a terrible performance and kind of important to the interesting parts of the film that I like and it adds to it and, and so I I'm think... in a weird position of kind of neither one nor the other on it in a lot yeah. of ways like
0: because it genuinely feels like, in its defense, I I completely get what Eve is saying, and I completely understand. Like, there are people who do not like those large performances. I think when we talked about Gangs of New York, we talked about like Daniel Day Lewis skirting the line in that respect. I I, I think, think Day
3: Lewis is in a bigger film. In the yes, way- yeah, yeah. No, than it's this. It,
0: than this is, but I think that like it it works for this film that you get a sense that the film itself cannot contain Costello because you have this weird recurring motif where characters basically treat him as God where like when Costigan's riding in the car with his stupid cousin he's like as far as you're concerned it's God or you have you know Costello himself saying God don't run the bingo in this diocese so you have the idea that like within the film Costolo is this force that is terrifying and awe-inspiring and uncontrollable to everybody around him and like you know i I think that thing that andrew mentioned where like is is billy costigan afraid of Costello, or is leonardo dicaprio wondering what the hell is going on and not sure how he's going to react as an actor whether those tensions are you know working together or against each other i think that they enhance the film as a whole and i think that you wouldn't get that without nicholson's performance perhaps so i i do have a soft spot for that kind of larger than life aspect of it it is very hammy it is very silly um it often feels like he's playing power games, both with the other actors and with the director. In fact, um, yeah. actually, here's here's one that that is very much Nicholson playing a power game. Did you notice the baseball cap he wears in the film? No, that's a New York Yankees or something. It's a New York Yankees cap, yeah, it is indeed. Yeah. Um, there's an actual quote from his interview with New York Magazine where he said, first of all, they wanted me to wear a Red Sox hat, he grumbles, but I said, all things being equal, I don't want to, and apparently that was the end of the discussion as far as Nicholson was concerned, um, which is insane to be absolutely frank. But it it feels it like gives him a bit more of an edge or a bit more weight. I think it makes it feel I'm fine. Frank. With that kind of thing.
3: Not everybody, not everybody from the city supports the thing. You know what yeah, I mean? It's fine. Yeah. Plus, they were shooting in New like York. I, I don't that kind of thing doesn't bother me. Like I'd say, but it's very intransigent in yeah. the way Nicholson can be. Yeah. So. and it is. Worth I don't noting know. That,
1: that it. feels really weird. <laughs> Like the, the, the to to play a a uh, a Boston, Boston character who like like fair enough he 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 doesn't he doesn't like um he doesn't like the church but the real kind of <laughs> cathedral in in Boston is Fenway Fenway
3: I'm from Dublin. I support Liverpool, so you know it's it's, it's ah that's bad,
1: different bad. though. That's, they don't tend to that's play that's each like, other in the like league. Every, everybody in Dublin supports Liverpool. Like 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 especially when they've just won a game. Um the the, the they, they like come out Whoa. of the <laughs> rafters. Um no, no 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 no. Sorry, sorry. That, that that's um it's 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 a great club though. But the, 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 the thing about Boston is that it's very defined by like its by its sports club. And then, like, like maybe you don't like baseball, but you're like going to be following the Patriots or the Celtics, you know. Um. Is it, is what I, I don't like, don't like baseball. Yeah. What
0: basically. I will say in terms of actor, director, and baseball cap power games, which seems to be like an entire subgenre of movie making, it is worth noting that in Gone Girl in 2014, David Fincher basically proved his power over Ben Affleck by forcing Ben Affleck yes. to wear a Yankees cap instead of a Red Sox cap. Um. So I like that there's an entire subgenre of like actors and directors wrestling with one another it's always boston Boston. um but yeah so get over yourselves boston (laughs) jesus christ um it is worth noting as well that uh, the casting of nicholson was seen as being a big deal um at the time because he was one of those great 70s actors that scorsese hadn't worked with um along with pacino and it was kind of one of the big interesting should have been gene hackman (laughs) well they were doing. This is the thing. They're actually doing. Uh, well, he'd retired at that stage, right? He'd done Welcome to Mooseport, and he was out, right? I can't remember when Welcome to Mooseport was. seven I think. Uh, the, the Ray Romano. Yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why Scorsese cast Ray Romano in The Irishman. It's like one step closer. I like to him the um, <laughs> He's great. Um, but yeah, the thing is that like there was a lot of news coverage around the time because it was seen as being. Hollywood was in a state of transition and stuff like that. And the idea, again, we talked about this, I think, uh, on the Wicker Man podcast. 2006 was a year where, like, was a Cruz was fired from his contract at Paramount because no actors were big enough that they were, you know, worth taking the embarrassment or the risk of kind of online news for. So the idea of Nicholson and Scorsese reuniting or uniting on this was seen as being perhaps the one big last director and actor uh, kind of, like, meshing, as it were. So it's kind of interesting. That did ended. they know? Well, <laughs> but, but I mean, I mean, even like Al Pacino's appearance in The Irishman isn't, you know, I would argue wasn't as big a deal as this was at the time. It wasn't made. As no, big but a
1: Tarantino deal. is kind of has, hasn't hasn't let go of, <laughs> and nor 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 has um, Scorsese. I mean, it makes sense if you're if if you're. Um, the uh, director to have like the the, the biggest um stars in your movie yeah. um to kind of to kind of um do you mean do you mean that less of these movies were kind of being made
0: well it was also more the sense that like the the actors were seen as being less important or the kind of the passing of the guard i mean again the argument that dicaprio is the last movie star for example <laughs> um, Sandra sort of Bullock.
3: <laughs> some, some,
0: some <laughs> well, I mean, Sandra, even Sandra Bullock today, though. Like, I mean, Sandra Bullock as an actor today, around this time, she was making *Our Brand Is Crisis*, right? So she was well past the peak of her romantic comedy leading kind of person, leading woman days, right? Past the yeah, like, like her about the romantic comedy, but take it away. Oh no, but you know what I mean. You know, it's yeah. in like past the point where a Sandra Bullock film was an event. So, to speak but like a
1: star, a a star wouldn't wouldn't reappear in like Keanu Reeves didn't come back for Speed Two, you know? <laughs> Why would so, you need him?
3: You had Jason Patrick on a cruise
1: ship
3: <laughs> <laughs> and Willem Dafoe. Um, and you be Yeah, <laughs> in a really yes,
1: in a really slow boat. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. But no, again, like there was a sense that like things were changing. So, you know, you're a couple of years out from the launch of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The previous year, Warner Brothers had like launched Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Batman Begins had made $1.38 billion on the two of those movies combined. You know, the, the, the idea that like summer blockbuster spending was ballooning at the time and the idea that like at the time that this movie was seen as like... Possibly one of the last of its kind of dying breed. Um, a budget of seventy million dollars um, on a film that was driven by actors, whether by DiCaprio as a heartthrob, Damon as a heartthrob, Nicholson and Scorsese as like representative of an, of an older version of Hollywood.
3: I can see it though, and I could see why he got the Oscar in that regard as well. Because who knows when you're going to get the chance to give
0: it again? Yeah, um, which I, I find is kind of interesting. Um, and again, it's worth noting that you know, um, but also oddly enough the argument that this is a newer and kind of hipper film one of the interesting things that i've seen said about it is that it is scorsese trying to make a young person's film or trying to make a kind of a modernized film in some respects to reach okay and that like the average shot length here is something like three point two point seven seconds um which is much shorter than his average at that point. So, for example, well, I think well,
1: Goodf- weren't, weren't you saying that Goodfellas was was uh, had, was uh, like in in spite of the the very long shots through through the Copacabana um, that, that that it's actually a very um, kind of tightly edited movie?
0: It is indeed, but that was six point seven seconds as opposed to two point seven seconds. So you've already wow. like, shaved off. You shaved off a magnitude of kind of three there at the very least. Uh, I think it might have...
3: When, when did he go to digital?
0: Um, um, Schumacher started editing on digital with Casino. Um, she started editing digitally on Casino.
3: Okay. I think that might also be part of it in terms of uh, the kind putting of, it probably in the leisure or whatever.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I could see it. Um, he asked, Not that um, it's
1: easy cutting things digitally, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we appreciate your work um but no i, I just like it, any, any idiot can do it apart <laughs> yeah any, any, any <laughs> idea any idea can do it but no i mean is, is there something there? i clearly can't but other people can <laughs> um like because and what about the films then what about the film's timeliness say because it is very much like a post 9-11 movie it's very much with the microprocessors, um and the war on terror and the i love processes processes I hope you're including the Matt Singer
3: uh,
1: review in the show. Uh, we mm-hmm. will
0: indeed. The Letterboxd, the, the letterbox words. reviews. It was, um, it was such
1: a experience. MacGuffin though. It was incredible. The way that like, like Baldwin was like, the processes. I don't know what they are Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> you don't know
0: what they are. <laughs> <laughs> the important thing is and it's great because like after that it's revealed that he didn't even sell the microprocessors um he just has them somewhere and it's never brought up again he gave fake ones yeah he gave them like light sockets i think
1: (laughs) he put them in the porno theater to get like 5k (laughs) resolution (laughs) proper
0: uh, um but no, I mean, like it, it's it's interesting because it like Scorsese has described it as his kind of like reaction to nine eleven, as a movie that he saw as being about how he felt looking at things like the Patriot Act and like America's response to nine eleven and stuff like that. Because it has Mark
1: but, Wahlberg in it,
0: <laughs> and and if Mark Wahlberg had been there on nine eleven, things would have gone very differently. There would have been blood Actually, in first that, class. Uh,
3: that shot's great, where um, Baldwin when they're they're doing the setup on the the meat. And Baldwin, like, say, grab your
0: man, gives him a hug. Patriot, there. Patriot there. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's a great show. Um, but, yeah, you know, because it's, it's kind of interesting that, like, Scorsese movies are generally, like, period pieces, or his most famous ones are period pieces. So, like, you know, obviously Goodfellas set against the 70s. Um, Casino set against the 70s as well, for example. Um, but, like, it's it's interesting that when he makes a contemporary movie and a very contemporary movie, it has aged so quickly that you're watching The Departed and even if it were made today, you'd be like, yep, that was made in the mid, that's a movie set in the mid 2010s because there's a war on terror subplot. That's completely super- Yeah, well,
2: well, if there's one thing that ages movies, it's it's computers on computer searches, you know, there's um, the shot at the end for, you know, for uh, <laughs> um, Matt Damon is, 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 is searching the database for William me? Costigan. And it's like, oh my God, what sort of user interfaces that he's using? You know, it's terrible looking, you know, so yeah, n- never use computers in movies because it
1: just ages so badly so quickly. And flip phones. So, like Clippy comes up and it says, "Looks like you're trying to find an informant." Uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: And and yeah, and he he did yeah, and he deletes the record, <laughs> and it's just like yeah. yeah and it's picture, the picture dissolves.
0: Surely <laughs> he wouldn't have administrator uh, privileges uh, Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no recycle bin on like yeah. and like apparently Boston PD computers <laughs> apparently. <laughs> I would check the recycle bin. It'd be
3: the first thing I'd do. I, like, hey, I do. Yeah, yeah. It. <laughs> I bet you the idiot did delete it.
0: I'm absolutely certain it's still there. It's so
2: bad. still there now. Uh,
0: after all that went through, is it worth is it worth remarking on how terrible Sullivan is and how much the movie hates him? Because um, I think I've seen it observed that like it's rare that you see a movie that hates its lead character as much as The Departed seems to hate Sullivan, where he comes across as incredibly. I'm not
3: sure. It does it better or? Or a more cheerful moment than when Mark Warburg blows. His it's great.
1: Like it's, it's a, almost like you know almost here to see a bit cheering. Like, it's, like hey. it's only it's only spoiled by those French donuts rolling on the floor. <laughs> like,
3: but but, it, but do you need something for the rat to eat? Though, in fairness
1: so That you know. is true. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think
2: no. he could have waited until Matt, until uh came in and I actually closed the door because that you know, whoever's going to have to clean up the mess outside yeah. in the in the hallway of the apartment as well. You know, for
3: that's a
0: fair point. I love, by the um, way, the fact that he goes yeah, to pet the dog and the dog runs away from him. The dog <laughs> yeah. can smell a rat. <laughs> yeah, even the, dog, even the dog. The dog symbolizes. Gets <laughs> the dog symbolizes <laughs> obviousness.
1: It's um, strange that Wahlberg doesn't have his beanie on when when he comes in, like as if as if he kind of wants him to know, like <laughs> he's kind of midriff. Yeah, yeah, not to be confused about who's about to shoot you. <laughs> you know. Um, and he's like, "Oh, I better i I brought this beanie, and I never put it on. I better put it on now, as I'm about <laughs> it, to leave."
0: It looks cold outside. Um, that rat looks like yeah. it's shivering. Um, I will have the accident? trouble of like the little booties
1: and and the, and the blue gloves. Like <laughs> the gloves. Like yeah, but the they're great. <laughs> but his hair is everywhere.
0: <laughs> what What I would say, actually, what I do like about that is that, like, when Sullivan comes in and opens the door, just the resigned. Okay. Like yeah, okay. it's just like, yeah. it's just like well, we're there now. This is where we're at. I like that yeah. too, actually. It's like, why not get it over with? Um sort of I thing. think could I more, more mentioning actually one thing
3: that I do think worth mentioning and it and it kind of it's something that's been alluded to in previous scorsese podcasts that we've had. And I think to some degree it's unfounded, but a conversation that's always worth having. But I think if you're gonna look for a scorsese film and how women characters are treated I think this is where I'd be pointing my finger at, and the worst psychiatrist in possible history, as written, is just oh God. I feel for Vera Farmiga. God bless her. I want. I want to.
1: I want to have a guest on who would also go for coffee with uh, with yeah, Billy Costigan. Gotcha. <laughs> like to to...
3: Oh, I run after him a prescription? Yeah. Enough to commit suicide. He yeah. so yeah. They, I, like, I, I just, I, I, she's a good actress, but she, she has to work to even get a semblance of dignity yeah, out of that performance. It's tough. It was like somebody just wrote her in the script in crayon about five minutes before they started
1: shooting. I mean, I, I, don't know, I, I, I really did feel it. for her, though. I thought oh, like they did though. she's they, a very really good actress. I think no, she, but they, she they, got there. The character. Yeah. The idea, the idea, I suppose, they, they, the. um, that mm, I'm not sure how clever it is, but I think it works well. the 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 idea that uh, Billy kind of doesn't know that he has a son, and and yeah. uh, and that I and that Colin, kind of and Sullivan though be- kind of
3: it's everything before that. It's the whole bit. I just, I yeah, no, I hated just, that. It it doesn't work. It yeah. doesn't work for me, and I I, I think she does well with this because I actually do really like her as an actress. But I, it's so badly written; it's it's kind of awful, and I feel for her a little. I have to say.
1: Yeah, I mean, she should know that there are other men, or um, <laughs> and those uh, too out there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> and yeah. yeah, she should. That's it's true. It like, feels like it's a choice, you know, between like <laughs> I, I, I either have this like. Uh, impotent, terrible liar, are are this complete bastard case. <laughs> I have to be with one of them.
3: Um, yeah. yeah, you know you don't have. You can stay away from the cops if you want. But, you know, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You
1: know, they're they're
3: not all. You, I know it's you can be single, but there's baseball players literally out there that could. You could join a. <laughs> yeah,
0: you could join a, a seminary. Uh, basically, would seem to be the other alternative the movie suggests as well. Um, honestly
3: it's just it just it, it always it, every and it, the repeated viewings it gets worse and that's one of the things that drags the film down for me really drags it down for me yeah
0: i, I think for me it does well Definitely. enough with the material she's given and, and like i would argue that this is
3: she does sp- but it this the, the material thin though yeah it's really thin
0: like this is arguably as close to a woman star making role i would argue that scorsese has because up and she'd been working for ten years before this hadn't necessarily done anything of note, a couple of guest appearances on TV and stuff, and then after this, you know, she gets an Oscar nomination for Up in the Air three years later, um, sort of stuff. So she's very well, good.
1: Like, yeah, it's, it's it's strange though that there aren't more star-making performances like the, um, like the, well, of. Like, I, I think we talked when we were doing Goodfellas about how uh and Bracco didn't do um that much more. Like, obviously, Sopranos being the, the, the kind the of big one. exception, yeah. um, but yeah, and then and it, it, I suppose even um, um, even Jodie Foster, I mean, she was she was kind of to some extent, I think she'd been kind of known Establish for. Herself, for yeah. Yeah, for, like, was, was Bugsy Malone before Taxi yeah. Driver?
0: Was I they around so. the same time? It was yeah. around the same time, anyway. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. So it is kind of interesting in that respect. Um, just very quickly, actually, I would argue I quite like the use of Matt Damon here, in large part because it capitalizes on that energy. Like, a lot of the, the great casting where, like, I think Aoife is right. It's DiCaprio's movie, and he walks away with it. And this is the point at which, I mean, we praised him in The Aviator, but this is where like Scorsese realizes what he can mine from DiCaprio, which is this incredible, sweaty, messy insecurity and desperation. The, I need to be taken seriously and I need to prove that I am who I say I am and that I have an identity outside of being a teenage heartthrob. So I got to prove myself no matter what, no matter how uncomfortable it gets. Um, and I think that like, this is, it's notable that this is the point where the narrative of give Leo and Oscar began as well, because apparently, um, Warner Brothers convinced DiCaprio to campaign as supporting actor for this movie um, and leading actor in Revolutionary Road, I think. or No, sorry, lead actor in uh, Blood Diamond uh, when Oscar and... and yeah, oh, remember yeah. that? For the, for the South African accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, um, I remember well. But uh, I mean, at least this accent was good enough. He kept it for his next movie with Scorsese, right? Um, but yes... That's true. So, like, apparently he was convinced to campaign for lead as Blood Diamond and supporting here, and obviously neither of that worked out well. There's an argument that if he'd gone for lead here, he might have got a nomination at least out of it. Um, he might have. But yeah, and so that's, that's kind of where the kind of Leo, give Leo an Oscar campaign sort of started. But I think that Damon is used well as well, because you have that thing with Damon where he's capable of being incredibly charming and disarming and seemingly likable. No, no, sorry, uh, Damon, Matt Damon.
1: Damon, Damon, one hundred
3: percent. I
0: would agree with you. There's so a touch of uh, don't,
3: there's a Donald Gleason vibe. There's a creepiness to him, an underlying creepiness to him, and I think Scorsese minds that very well.
0: Underneath the pleasantness, when you watch Damon, there's always a sense of like not quite rightness there. Like yeah, the I original agree. plan was for Brad Pitt to play play the role of uh, Sullivan. That was although Brad Pitt turned it said eventually I was too old to do it. And so suggested Damon for the role, which again seems yeah, very he much. Yeah, was he a producer ind- on this? He was indeed. Yep, yeah, it was produced by Plan B with himself and Jennifer Aniston. I think when they were together.
1: Um, and Bra- uh, Brad Gray.
0: Yep, also as well. Um, but yes, yeah, so no, I know. I think that like I think the movie deserves credit for its casting of the two leads because I think it plays those star personas off one another. Kind of gets what makes Damon work and gets what makes DiCaprio yeah, I agree. work. And- and manages to kind of like synthesize them into a movie. Like, like um, I know Jay's not a big fan, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood does the same thing with DiCaprio and Pitt. Uh, where you have yeah. DiCaprio's frantic, I need to prove myself energy, and Pitt's i'm the hottest thing on god's green earth no matter what i've done um so i'm just gonna i'm just yeah, gonna roll with that's, it that's probably fair um, actually so i think that yeah I, I really think that the casting of the two leads works works very well here and doesn't get enough credit because i think as, as we point out a lot of people pay attention to the supporting cast um which is great admittedly with Wahlberg. and i think that i was just gonna i was just going of mentioned
3: uh the 21st century sean b and uh james badge <laughs> and, <James laughs> and absolutely everything and uh I gets his here. <laughs> he literally dies in <laughs> practically every film, and I love him. I really like him as an actor. Um, is
1: he is he Fitzie or Dallahan or is
3: he? No, he's, he's Sullivan's
0: oh, best he's friend. He's Carp... yeah, yeah. Sol...
1: yeah. Oh, he,
3: he, yeah. He, he turns up at the at the end to go? You know, we have to stick What's together. What's his name? It's like, it's uh, trooper Bra- like Rannigan. Rannigan yeah, Bra- uh, Barrigan. Barrigan. Yeah, Barrigan. Barrigan. Yep. yeah it's just you and me again. now we got to stick
0: together there's a reason just you, one. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason you didn't make plain the crow's detective straight out of the academy um what, yes yes yeah what i was have you got this is worth shouting and worth giving a shout out to by the way is that there's a, ver- a video that cuts um the final sequence or the closing sequences of the departed to um Mm, what you say, the hide-and-seek video from the Lonely Islander from Saturday Night <laughs> Live. And it's absolutely brilliant. Um, so we'll include that in the show notes. I've never heard nor seen this, <laughs> so uh, we'll do that. We'll, so we want to play what play. you say? Yeah. You know the-
1: what you say was, 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 was like one of, one of these kind of um, pivotal...
0: Andy um, Samberg, comedy
1: sort of, yeah. videos. I think it was like 2007, yeah. right? I'm going kind of nodding along, but nobody <laughs> was talking. These about.
0: hip kids with their online videos and st- their, their their music videos <laughs> the and digital their- first. See, um, but yet, yeah. So no, and it works perfectly with the material, um, that's given as well. But Noted. I, I, I kind it. of like the bloodiness of the third act, where again you have that sorting algorithm morality where. Almost absolutely everybody gets themselves killed quite. I
3: quickly. don't mind it in theory. My issue with it is and I remember this and I don't know how Eva remembers, but when I went seeing the cinema when it came out initially, the one person shoot the other person shooting the other person Russian the <laughs> thing had people laughing in the cinema in very strange ways. <laughs> and I'm not quite sure it works, but I I appreciate the almost black comedy vibe of it. because like, yeah. it, it like it's it's because it's it's kind of funny, and if it's unintentional, that it's badly made. But if it's intentional, then I'm, I'm kind of yeah. There's, kind there's of a kind it, of you know? sort of
2: oh for God's sake moment where um, we find we find out that um, <laughs> yeah the um, the other guy was also an informant for for um, everybody's an informant. Bargain, yeah. you know, yeah. How Everyone many people informants informant are there for God's yeah, sake?
0: You know, just this... yeah yeah. Koslo was an informant. Yeah. Um The guy whose tooth teeth he knocks out of the bookies is also an informant. Huh? It turns out. Yeah. And Scorsese has suggested that it's also entirely possible that the character played by Mark Ralston, Delahunt, the guy who dies and is buried, was actually an informant, and that wasn't just a police cover story as well. So literally everybody in this movie is an informant.
3: Are you all rats? <laughs> <laughs> or it's, like it's like there's some sort of thematic kind of. Uh, yeah, we'll come back to, to that. But Ethan sorry. Yeah, to no, no. But
0: that—that—that
2: that, that yeah. was just my point. I mean, that—that's part of sort of the plot contrivances of it. And then, then at the end, it just felt like they were just like, oh God, had we just finished this film off? You know, and just let's just
3: shit everybody. You know, and just <laughs> kill them all yeah. <laughs> in the same scene. Yeah.
1: For no reason whatsoever. Uh, yeah, it was, it was. Let's just have everybody. Like in the room, just get up and say, "I'm a rat," <laughs> and then everyone else will be like, "I'm a rat too." <laughs> it's like a support. Like group. I'm Spartacus. Yeah.
2: Support yeah, these uh, guys. I say, like, apparently, Jared um, um, McSorley was supposed to be in this film as well. He was supposed to play. He was supposed to play the part. He was supposed he to be the part great. of Queenan, um, and he was just dropped for no reason. Oh. He never found out why oh. he was dropped.
0: Oh, that would have been, that would have been kind of amazing. Yeah. I imagine Martin Sheen having Martin Sheen might have been the reason. No, no. Apparently,
2: no. Yeah, no apparently, um, really? like oh. he was over. He, you know, he he was he had made, just made Oma and then came over to to film for this, and he he was doing some research in Boston at the time, and then his agent rings says, "You're dropped from the film." was it? He never found out why.
3: That's a shame. That would have been that would have been yeah. interesting casting. Like. So, McSorley's great.
1: Yeah, I think I think he he would have been good. That like. Would have been great as well as one of the um,
0: the like Irish the, the, guys. To,
1: to play Delahunt, De maybe because yeah. I, 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 I kind of enjoy, I enjoyed those two. Um, ones, uh, Fizzy and French, You're like, not- Fitzy and French are, are not uh, Irish at all, no, no,
0: no they're not. Um, but yeah, uh,
1: um,
0: great faces. Like- I can't
2: imagine Ray Winston doing an Irish, yeah. action, so no, um...
0: no. <laughs> Or attempting a Boston accent as well.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> but should me Storley in the Nicholson role would have been interesting? Yes. Oh, that would have been really good, actually.
1: Yeah. Like, they'd never do it because it wouldn't be big enough for the for the American audience. But the, Can we yeah, just say no. as well,
3: actually, um, on Winston, like, I, was, I, would, I would have kind of went to see a lot of Winston stuff back in the day in the cinema when he was kind of a little bigger than he is now and all I can see now is like that three uh, six five Three Six Five, new slag kind of vibe off and like every, every role I see now just has that like he's selling me a bookie like um, whereas he used to be an actor do you know what I mean it's kind of weird like and I'm a huge fan of his like but I just I can't separate him out anymore from that uh, I'm here to kill you a monster that, that, that <laughs> the Hayley peace persona is the only way I can describe it it's just really weird like I, I don't wish he'd stop doing it and go away for a couple of years and then come back
1: yeah well, I had the same feeling watching him in that um, a movie I really didn't in- enjoy at all was uh, uh, Noah um, with, uh, <laughs> with, it, Ru- with Russell Crowe. Yeah. yeah, 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 but you have this very bit where, film. like, um,
0: very unpleasant. Yeah.
1: Ray Winston's kind of like jumping up on top of some rock creature and he's like, Harry! <laughs> um, you slag. You slag. Yeah. Oh, lordy. I, 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 I was going to wonder, like, could Ben Kingsley do um, Frank Costello? <laughs> um,
0: Baby, why are oh, you oh, always wet? sexy she beast territory now, are we? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, very quickly, actually, before we, we move on, then it is worth kind of taking a note about the ending, um, because the the rat and the famous sequence at the oh end. Oh God, we must. Sho- we. we must. Well, that that's the point. It's one of the most contentious parts of the film. Um, it's one of the the films that provokes the most online debate and vile and ret- rhetoric and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. And so, how do we feel about the rat? Dare I ask? I don't
3: mind it as much as I should. Um,
0: because the film is so
3: big in lots of ways, like it's so strange us, like it's not subtle before that. It's not as if it's suddenly just, being, <laughs> yeah. you know, just gonna of a, all of a sudden there's a rat. Like I mean, Nicholson ensures at many parts that the film is, yeah, it's very clear what the themes are here, um, and that and that and the 500 people who are working for the FBI slash whoever. Like, so I, I, I mean, is it too much? Yes. But is it? <laughs> but the but is the entire body? movie
0: too much? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, exactly. It,
3: like it, it doesn't hand, handicap the movie significantly in the car- in the context of what's gone before. I think you know you it, it, it almost an eye roll it and let it go. Like for me,
0: or tr- yeah, is it as bad as the Hands That Built America at the end of Gangs of New York?
3: No, it's not. Which is that's oh, no. the biggest crime no. uh, ever in a Scorsese
0: <laughs> film ever. <laughs> 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 but, <laughs> good oh,
1: Jesus! Don't do that he, to me. Is said- it? He's a director who, who puts lots of good uh, music in his movie. I don't think like he put I don't too think, much good music. I don't I don't I, don't, I
0: don't think he put that music in his movie. I don't think
3: Harvey, <laughs> think he put, that don't think- <laughs> Harvey put that in. Yeah. But now he's <laughs> in prison, so we can all enjoy that. Um,
0: but what I will say about the rat, which is is kind of No uh, one's
1: gonna defend Harvey.
0: <laughs> no, not. Let's get into it,
1: yeah. eh? <laughs> so
0: Andrew. Would you like uh, what to? What were you saying about yeah. how much you love Harvey? Andrew? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Andrew, would you like? to friends Gray. For...
1: <laughs> Brad Grey was. Brad Grey was a very good friend of Harvey Weinstein. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I remember so we're we going to cut this out. podcast. <laughs> <aren't>. uh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be cut at a frantic rate. Okay, three point seven seconds average cut on this podcast. It seems um, <laughs> what? up from six point seven seconds on the previous. On the pre- yeah. On uh, the good I mean, fans. I'm
1: sure, I'm sure they're not friends anymore. No, uh, I'm sure
0: enough. Yeah. No. Um, what I what I will say about the ending, which I find interesting, and then this is probably one of those big differences between American and Chinese cinema. Obviously, this is an adaptation of Infernal Affairs. Big difference in the ending between this and Infernal Affairs is that Infernal Affairs lets the corrupt cop live. Uh, whereas in Affairs*, whereas *So the Departed* ends with an almost kind of again almost like Catholic moral judgment that oh, well, uh, retribution. Sure, yeah, that's yeah. it. Costigan can die, but Sullivan has to die as well in order for there to be yeah. cosmic balance. Which no, is, I can see that, which is interesting. That, that scores eighty, though. You, see...
1: you also you also have to balance. You, you also have to balance out Anthony Anderson somehow. <laughs>
0: um, well, that's what James <laughs> Dale does. Yeah. Somebody has to die
1: for him. But well, maybe it does. Yeah, maybe it yeah.
0: doesn't. <laughs>
1: Um, what I'm asking
0: is what's the difference Um, but no I I find it kind of interesting is that it's been suggested and I wonder what Aoife and Jason will make of this but it has been suggested that the rat in the closing sequence of the movie is Scorsese drawing attention to the heavy handed moralizing of his own ending very much similar to the argument that if you remember the post the Steven Spielberg movie from 2017 I want to say which ends yeah do you remember yeah, the closing yeah, yeah. scene of the post the, the,
3: the, the, yeah the, washington, the the watergate cinematic universe
0: yeah it? yeah basically where like the post is a movie about the pentagon papers and the washington post but the very last scene is the break-in at the watergate hotel um, and critics you know sort of defending that decision were like oh he's clearly spoofing the marvel cinematic universe sequel hook trend <laughs>
3: No more than Scorsese is here either, <laughs> by the way.
0: So we we don't think that Scorsese I'm not is very that. No, <laughs> okay.
3: I right. love Marty, but come on, like <laughs> he, we um, can all make a misstep, like. But I don't mind as much. I don't honestly. It's it's fine. Like I don't. If I loved the film more than I do, perhaps I'd be it. Yeah, more I think that if it, the so.
2: film had been much more subtle, and then he threw the rat in there yes. to draw attention to it, you go. Think, oh, <laughs> but. <laughs> But Because the film isn't subtle uh, in any way, shape, or form, the rush is just, yeah, so wash made out. Yeah, it's just a rush <laughs> walking yeah, across the one. window. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and because this is 2020 and because this is the internet, it is worth noting that there is has been a Kickstarter campaign to remove the rat from the end of the departed. Yep, started by a fan. Now, to be fair. It has been suggested that this by Sean Burns, uh, who's written for WBS, which is a very good website, and I'll link the show notes. Sean Burns has argued that the campaign, which already hit its target within the first three hours of being up, its target of five thousand uh, dollars, which would include What's by the do, but well, well, the plan was to pay a professional editor to cut the couple to of seconds. I'd then yeah. put the film up online. <laughs> I have no idea, but but like one one of its stretch goal targets, which I absolutely love. Um, included the scheme to go out to hire a fairly compensated intern to go out and buy 400 Blu-ray copies of The Departed and throw them in the trash uh, if you hit the stretch goal for it. Um, i go throw Marty be cracking (laughs) up there to keep those movies. (laughs) Um, That's the internet. But the the argument is that it's spoofing the kind of self-seriousness of, well, first of all, internet fans in general. Because this was around the time you had the same campaigns over say the last jedi the the women only c- remember the men only cut of the last jedi, remember the campaign mm-hmm. to strike it from Canon, oh, so to speak, yeah. yeah, remember like all that nonsense going on as well mm-hmm. remember the kind of argument that you should yeah that that star treks the Star Trek shows should be struck from the Canon because fans don't like them or stuff like that um that sort of stuff was arguably what it was spoofing as well um is arguably what was going on, but also the sense in which. A lot of people maybe take the Departed perhaps a bit more seriously than they should. That you know that there are a lot of people who treat this as it's I as probably it's a, agree with that. I think yeah, that's probably fair. So perhaps it's kind of parodying the sense of it because I think the Departed is a it is arguably a pitch black comedy as much as it is a serious like introspective psychological drama. I would argue, like it, yeah, I would agree.
1: Even even <laughs> even the stuff the, the 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 really brutal stuff that kind of put me off. There there's. The, like we talked about the end of 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 the movie and uh all the um kind of shootings one after the other and um what you say yeah kind of this others of but they there, kind of it. there there's almost a um uh Dark humor to even kind of Queen instead, which is oh, really brutal and upsetting. Well, like,
0: like the amount of blood, there, but
1: it absolutely is. like
0: the amount of blood splatter in this yeah. film is absurd. Like the sequence where he shoots,
1: and the fact that it's Martin Sheen <laughs>
0: being thrown. <laughs> off you mugs gonna like? Yeah, yeah. The fact that he like he turns into like a '40s film noir. Character. Where's your boy? <laughs> Where's your boy? He's studying law. Where's your boy? He's studying law at Harvard. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's law at Harvard. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, like at Notre, Notre Dame. Dame so yeah. of course it's Notre Dame. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, th- th- things like that. And, and again, Scorsese having like a sense of fun in this as well, where you have like his homages like and his references, you know, obviously, Scorsese, big cinephile, huge fan of cinema history and stuff like that. Um, but like here, his cuts are arguably as obvious as they've ever been. So like the sequence at the end, which is very much the ending of the third man where she just walks right by Sullivan uh, and basically barrels the camera, so to speak. And then you also have like the sequence where Sullivan gets into the shower and for some reason we get a psycho homage, um, which again is another like, completely unnecessary bit of Scorsese going, ah, let's let's drop in my references there. Um, or even like the recurring X motif which I'm curious if people kind of caught on there, which is from, I think, Howard Hawks' Scarface, where... He, he tends to associate whenever characters die on screen, there's usually, or whenever characters are about to die, there's usually a gigantic X in the frame. So for example, the windows in the tenement building that Martin Sheen has thrown off as he's falling there's all those X's there as uh, sort of, as Sullivan goes into his apartment to get shot, there are X's on the ground there, for example. And there's various kind of other shots like that as well, where it's all very, uh, very much like, look at me, look at what I'm doing. I'm, you know, if you like, didn't know what I'm was happening all behind Scorsese the, i Scorsese
3: having fun in that regard yeah. and all that, but doesn't necessarily make it a better film.
4: <laughs> oh no, no, <laughs> you know no, no I'm mean? more, like...
0: I'm more arguing for it's kind of like I... throw off a goofishness for it. Like, like these oh, yeah, are the most no, surface. There. Yeah. But I, 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 I always wonder when
3: when you get to the point where the, these are being discussed you've kind of lost the, the the argument for the film in a lot of ways, you know,
1: kind of One bet like, that, that I really didn't find um kind of uh comedic at all was 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 Frenchie. I hated that. In like in the car, just like blowing his brains out.
0: And he just says, ah, feck it, and then puts the gun into his head, basically. Yeah, it just. It's just so
1: like, dark. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But again, it is it, like. Even even the sequence where. Yeah, where Koslo's shot by Sullivan, and like he's shot in the chest, and then just blo- a fountain of blood throws fuse from his mouth. Or when, when Queen and lands on the ground beside DiCaprio and there's just this big splatter of blood, like he's landed on a gigantic squib, somebody left flying out in the street. And then you kind of cut to his body and there's like, how did that blood fly so far from there? It, there's something kind of vaguely cartoonish about The Departed, I think. Like in terms of even things... Well,
1: there's, there's an even worse kind of a blood spurt than that. There's the, from like the other side of the room, Oh yeah, Uh, when when, they're beating the guy with the pipe, Frenchy shoots the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no, no. When he like uh, shoots the guy in the face, and like um, Costigan is at the door. Yeah, Um,
0: and somehow gets splattered because of symbolism. Like, yeah, the blood symbolizes obviously. It's like blood on his eyes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and that that's probably the obvious symbolism of it as well is that he doesn't have blood in his hands; he has blood in his eyes because of the things he's seen. Yeah, um, but I don't know.
0: But no, I mean, I mean, and that sort of stuff is is kind of interesting because you do have like a lot of blues and r- even the way that it's shot by Michael Bowers, like the Chinatown sequence. Which is kind of like very bright and very vibrant and its use of colors perhaps a lot stronger than I and particularly like the contrast between red and blue is a lot stronger than I would associate with a lot of Scorsese films where they tend to be one and I mean obviously I get that it's duology and this idea of a split personality and it's almost as if this was a movie about two opposites. That were opposite one another, and were maybe opposites within themselves. But even like, say, the sequence in Chinatown or the porn theater, where you have the blues and the reds together, it, it kind of lends it all a, a kind of an even more heightened reality or tone than I associate with Scorsese's work. I think, uh, which kind of makes it feel kind of. I like- think
3: there's probably a it, it teases to be written on the, the the use of pornography in Scorsese films and the the, the odd choices he makes in that regard. <laughs>
0: Uh, that well, kind
3: that, of 70s that... european uh art house porn that he he probably got somebody to pick for him because he didn't he was afraid to look at it
0: because <laughs> he, he condemned his soul would go straight to hell but i mean like, between that that's and a a, taxi driver like it's uh yeah um but yeah. but that's the thing it's like this is where it feels like scorsese playing all the hits because that sequence is yeah like you watch it and it's like oh he's I doing completely. taxi driver or the sequence yes. where costigan is at the bar and it's like Oh, that's a diuretic. My wife drinks it when she's on a period. What, are you on his, your period? And then beats him to a bloody pulp. That's very much like go home and get your shine box from Goodfellas. It, it all feels like Scorsese is aware of the fact that he's done all this before and is kind of, you know, I mean, may, you know, maybe that was part of the reason why he didn't enjoy making it because it felt like it was just retreading old ground or something like that. But it, it still feels like he's almost giving people what he expects they want from him. Yeah um in a way I that's and fair. again like i would argue i would argue that maybe makes it a suitable oscar film for him because at least it's not you know as much as an atypical scorsese film actually exists because i don't think that it does but as much as say alice doesn't live here anymore if he won for alice doesn't live here anymore that would feel odd right as opposed but, yeah. to winning for and this the cause... Thing
3: about what the departed is interesting in that regard is that scorsese could keep making and remaking these and making an absolute fortune I say there's a studio that i'd love to Give him a hundred million each time and get him to knock out these fillers <laughs> left, right, and center because he could yeah. do them in the sleep to some degree with, with yeah. a fair amount of style and a fair
1: amount of and you know, yeah, like make the even, money, even with all the problems that he had on this. Yeah, I mean, exactly.
2: there was talk, sorry, yeah, there was talk about a sequel, but um, Scorsese had no interest in doing it, so it was shelved. So,
1: is anybody left? who the hell's going
2: to be? <laughs> So, well, that's of um,
0: Mark Wahlberg adopts the rat. Dingham and the rat go on the run together. Oh, Dingham and the rat! That's the title! Get, tell me you wouldn't watch that you movie. Go. Um, you also you, yeah, I, I suppose you,
1: you have um, Dingham and um, Alec Baldwin's character and a rat. <laughs> they're, they're, and they're, together they they're, solve crime. Um, yeah. A, a mother rat leaves a baby rat on their doorstep and they have to learn to look after us. <laughs> Two men in a row. Yeah. Um, exactly.
0: <laughs> what I want to mention actually, which is, is worth kind of because we haven't mentioned her um already, the character of Gwen, who is the uh wife of kind of Nicholson's character, um, who's somebody that I find interesting. She's not really a particularly well developed character in the narrative. She's played by Kristen Dalton. But I find her interesting in the context of the film, tying back to and giving us a nice bookend, perhaps. But that idea of kind of like sexuality and Youth and Kostlo's obsession with youth. Where you have like the the moment throughout where, you know, he's linked to the two men through violence and he's linked to her through sex. But you have the sequence at the end where after Kostlo's killed and Gwen rings the phone and Colin picks it up and he says, Gwen, we lost Koslo, as if to suggest that there's and again, this is completely undeveloped and unexplored, but I find it an interesting idea. But the idea that, you know gwen almost moves in parallel to the two men where there's almost like another version of the departed that's about gwen because obviously she is the girl at the start in the store where he meets sullivan for the first time so she ends up kind of tied up in that um she ends up kind of tied up in that narrative where she's basically another young person that kind of costs oh yeah yeah that's her that's the one who he asks, have you got your period yet um, and When You Do Call Me. So you have the idea that, like, from the start, Gwen...
1: Because he, he has a bar that can serve a cranberry juice.
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a diuretic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, find that, I do find that kind of interesting, that there's this suggestion, this parallel between Colin and Gwen and their relationship to Coslow, and the idea that it's father-like but also warped and wrong, obviously sexual with Gwen and violent with Colin. And it's something yeah. the film doesn't yeah. delve into as much as it might, and I don't know if it would be a better film if it did, or perhaps it would completely throw the tone of the tone of the film off. But I found it interesting. But see, in that's
3: the 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 things such as that that I mentioned earlier in terms of what interests me in the film. If I got that film, I'm not sure it'd be a better film. I'm not sure it'd work at all.
0: It wouldn't but... have made three hundred million
3: dollars worldwide, <laughs> Jay. <laughs> no, it certainly would not. Uh, I think that's for sure.
0: But yeah, um, all right then. So I think we're about ready to wrap up, unless there's anything anybody else wants to add. So is anything we haven't talked about already? Anything anybody else wants to discuss? Any scenes? Any characters? Any beats? No, I, I haven't talked I, about I just like
3: the James thing, but that was it. Yeah, <laughs> I was very happy to bring
1: that up. Um, I I guess we 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 spoke about food ways. I'd say the the, <laughs> the slow and kind of pointless release re, re, reveal of Frank Costello is is the kind of. Um, <laughs> The obligatory Robocop reference
0: where he's lurking uh, in the shadows, where he sees, but
1: like you, you know, there's no reason <laughs> <laughs> to kind of slowly be revealed to be Jack Nicholson. It's like you get it immediately,
0: you know? <laughs> and <laughs> all he's the, all over the poster
1: coming out of the dark. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, no, but I, I assumed that was an age thing that they didn't want to show him, you know, because right. Nicholson was,
0: yeah, so.
2: You know, yeah, with the dark
0: hair you know, if... and the full head of hair. They didn't have all that Irishman style. <laughs> well, that's it, yeah. If you look at the
2: Irishman, you, you, you sort of think would would the Irishman have been better if it kept everybody in the shadows during those early years? You know, I think so.
0: um, um, We hadn't invented light bulbs until 1967. It turns out. Um, <laughs> I, I do. I like again. I I, th- I think that shadow stuff kind of works. Again, it gets back at this idea of him as almost like a mythic universal monster or god or the devil, and also the fact that yeah, Nicholson in a lot of like makeup. And hair and sunglasses in order to hide the fact that he's clearly at this stage what seventy something. Um, you think he's seventy? Yeah, at that stage. So I, I, I think I kind of... um, the scene as well, where uh,
3: just in terms of we're talking about not subtle where I think he's at is it an opera <laughs> with the two women and yes, it's all dated yeah. in red <laughs> like, yeah. it's just in case like, you uh,
0: don't get it it's, just a, just a case it's almost just as if they're trying to, to the tell us that he's evil <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 I
3: only, wonder like, how we're supposed to feel. horns in the silhouette like <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, no, there was a horn, Jay. It just wasn't on screen at that moment in time, apparently. And it wasn't. The, um, and it wasn't on his head either. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the cocaine. Like again, right. you you could you could really tell like the battle between like Nicholson and kind of Scorsese in that sequence because you have oh, the moment where he gets the cocaine. He gets the cocaine and throws it on the bed it and tells her it. not to come up on. <laughs> yeah, and tells her not to come up until she's numb. And like then you just have this fading montage of Nicholson's eyebrows, and it's like what what's going on. I know I don't want to know what's going on, but I also wonder what's going on. Cause again, yeah. Nicholson, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's some other Nicholson stuff in there where apparently some of Nicholson's improvs around the, um, you know, the early scene where they killed a the couple by the airport. Yes. Um, yeah. Where mm-hmm. the bot and she fell funny, which is apparently a Nicholson improvisation. Funny. Yeah. And apparently that's a good line. Though, giving, yeah. And giving Frenchie an ax was also like a Nicholson improvisation in that scene as well. Um, and apparently there was a line that was cut where it's like, now I want to, I really, really want to screw her. Um, which was apparently something that Scorsese did cut from the scene where it's like, okay, too far, Jack, let's rein it in. Um, but yeah, so at, <laughs> oh, in, terms yeah, of yeah. The, in terms of other stuff, worth noting that despite the fact that this was a move towards Asian cinema, and despite the fact that, you know, Scorsese, which apparently usually influenced by stuff like Old Boy and obviously Infernal Affairs and in making it, the film was ironically banned in China. Because of its somewhat less than flattering representation of the Chinese government. Oh,
3: microprocesses.
0: Microprocesses. And the, the government official who appears in the background of the deal for no reason whatsoever. Uh, which is fascinating.
3: I just wanted a thing to mention actually. that um, That's nothing to do with this film as such. But uh, I don't know if anybody's seen Tony Erdman. The German comedy from a few years ago.
0: The dark comedy, yeah. Um, one of your favourite films it's of the year if I remember correctly, one. right?
3: It is. It's one of my favourite decades. great. But... Nicholson, apparently, a story came out with years of Nicholson was being considered at Kamara Retirement for the remake of Tony Hartman. And I remember thinking to myself, I'd only watched the film when i read about it, It's like, this is going to be even bigger than the part his part. Like, it's going to be monstrous. i do going to get some first time director out to do it as well. He's just going to stomp all out and think Godzilla style. I like... <laughs> and I kind of wanted to wanted invest it in it. I would have put money up just to see it.
0: Like, like for all the crap that we do,
3: oh god i still want to see for it
0: all the crap that we give nicholson like it, the stuff that he does with nancy myers is actually very restrained like it's actually some of his most delicate yeah, stuff yeah. in recent years i, I find it
3: some great stuff in the 70s like oh absolutely, uh, absolutely. pieces there and all the great yeah. stuff like,
0: no i just like i find, he went I find, full
3: ham in the shining like.
0: what that that's it but i find it interesting that's like he goes full ham when he's like got scorsese directing but when it's like yeah, Nancy no, right? Myers, yeah, when it's Nancy Myers doing like a rom com with Lion Keating, it seems like he's a he's a pussy cat, uh, which I kind of love about. I know, right? I, that's very strange. <laughs> um, very strange. <laughs> um. All right, then. Um. I think that about wraps it up. Unless there's anything else you want to talk about, anything that we haven't discussed already with regards to the microprocessors. Oh, I think we, I think. or The cars. Just one thing, actually. One thing, the chocolate stack dessert, the biggest
3: penis on a table in a restaurant <laughs> ever. <laughs> i don't know what even yeah. what it is i don't know what i look at how are we supposed to even touch
0: it it's like what what are you talking about here? A, but they have the this
1: most but they shaped dessert i've ever of course, seen course, Daisy warned damon the day before <laughs> that their <laughs> for was gonna pull out this dessert. <laughs> 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 ay, ay, ay.
0: and he didn't want him to feel uncomfortable <laughs> no he didn't no. kind of kind of amazing to imagine Scott of Scorsese having those conversations because he seems like such a timid man around the subject as well. I um,
3: seventy <laughs> Scorsese full of coke would have had that conversation.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. What, what was it Andrew described it with? Demented sex demon Scorsese, I think is how Andrew described <laughs> it. Those words should never be issued in the same sentence as Scorsese. <laughs>
1: Good lord. Sex as,
0: goblin. Yeah, sex goblin, that's it. As a <laughs> As opposed, <laughs> as opposed to the lovable Christ. 1990s movie Grandpa Martin Scorsese, which yeah. is slightly different. Um, what a duality. Um, There's the yeah. duality of the
3: departed right there. Like
2: Granddad. Scorsese uh, Chris- <laughs> of you'll never eat lunch in this town again would,
3: wouldn't have thought of it. Oh, that's very true. Very, very true. Um,
0: all right, then. Um, right, so I think that's about wrapping us up there. But if people are looking for a bit more Aoife, a bit more J online, where can they find you guys? So, Aoife, where are you at?
2: I'm um, on Twitter mostly, so at Aoife Martin on Twitter. M R T N for Martin A Y F Perfect. And Jay. Uh, I
0: take at Jay bit on Twitter perfect and because I haven't hosted in a while I messed that up so I'll fix this in post but at the end of our podcast we usually ask guests to recommend something for listeners something they're enjoying at the moment so they think listeners might appreciate as well so to give Ethan Jay a chance to think about this I'm going to ask Andrew what would you recommend for this I'd,
1: I'd recommend you leave that in <laughs> it, it, it makes it feel more like a podcast the, the, I'd, I'd, I'd recommend I'm breaking a rule here because I'm recommending a book that I haven't yet finished but I'm like 450 um, pages through it and it's like 600 pages. So um,
0: so you're going to be very disappointed it, if at it, the end all the characters shoot each other in the head <laughs> and there turns out to be a rat crawling across the final page. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it, it it relates to this movie and in, in that a lot of it is to do with um, people or specifically a person denying or defending things that we said or did 10 years ago. <laughs> um, or more ago it's 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 a biography of robert oppenheimer um called american prometheus um the, the, the german uh physicist isn't it? yeah not um uh german american yeah um so he um in in, in fact there, there, there there's an interesting kind of a bit in this because you had what, what it's it's one of those w- weird weird things when you're reading um, about about these these very um, kind of larger than life people, and it's like um, um, as he was on the way to his car, Albert Einstein like stopped him to talk to him. But the 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 thing about Albert Einstein kind of um, was a German who had left um, Germany and would never go back um but that Oppenheimer was a German probably ought to have left um America in a similar fashion because it, 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 it um not I, w- I, w- I, w- I would say that obviously Nazi Germany can't be um compared to um McCarthyism but for the fact that kind of that was the the comparison that Albert Einstein was trying to make um but no it's it's a very interesting story about 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 I guess a very kind of a a, a complex person obviously responsible for some yeah yeah no it's it's um really enjoying it. so um yeah I I, I suppose it's not that apropos for a movie but I, I I thought I'd give it a plug it's while well we're reading I, I I was I was on holidays and I like flew to I was planning on reading other books um <laughs> but yeah that, that, was, that was that was one I ended
0: up going for. ironically enough it's also a nice setup for the Scorsese movie we'll be talking about next week but uh we'll get to that in a moment Aoife what would you recommend for this um
2: well I actually went to the cinema last night um um and it's probably the last night I'll get to go for a while because they're going to be closing down for the next three or four weeks because we're, we're moving to level three here so I'm just going to recommend cinemas um I think um, you know, lockdown has been tough for a lot of people, and cinemas were sort of one of the, when they reopened. Um, I sort of started appreciating them a lot more than I had, um, because they were just a nice social outlet, a nice excuse to get out of the and actually do something and feel a little normal for a while. Um, so, I think that if and when it's come back. People should just go and support your local cinema. You know, go out, go and see a film. Um, um, I've felt perfectly safe going. They're very, very good at social distancing. They're good at locking seats around you so no, no one else will sit, sit in them. And I think it would be an awful shame if we were to lose that. So I think we really should start supporting cinemas if and when they come back.
0: I would second that. I've been to when cinemas were open in Dublin, I tried to go as regularly as I could uh, while off peak and stuff like that. And it was an interesting experience um, and something that I would wholeheartedly recommend. Um, and the thing about cinemas is that, and it's a terrible thing to say, but while they are socially distanced, there's a lot more space and you're a lot less likely to find people on their phones in them, even when I went to, to Disney World and stuff like that. Um, and yes, very, very, very worth supporting um, and worth seeing movies on as big a screen as, as possible. So yeah, I would second that. And obviously that's not to suggest that you know that's the only way to watch a film or to get snobbish about it or anything like that, but it's just, I, I do like the cinema um, and I really, really miss it. Um, Jay, what about yourself? <laughs> Thanks, Eve, for this like going on after the Beatles because I'm going to recommend a <laughs> Netflix
3: film. Just sound like the asshole, though. Is
1: that Charlie Kaufman? No, it's not. Uh,
3: I'm not recommending that have watched it. Okay. But interestingly enough, there is a connection in that regard. Um, the film is Dick Johnson is Dead, which is uh, the, the documentary Kirsten Johnson film. Uh, yes, uh, Kirsten Johnson made a film a few years ago called Camera Person. Where she made basically made a documentary about film from cuts of her own films. And it's really, really good. Uh one of my favourite documentaries in the last few year's. And she made this film about her dad, uh Dick Johnson, the aforementioned. Uh basically as a tribute, as a as a surreal kind of um memory of him, even whilst he's still alive, because he's 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 older and he's a little ill at the time of the film. And they do these kind of takes of him dying in various ways and stuff for the crack. And he's very game for it. And he's very funny, very engaging man, very interesting man. And it's very odd at times. It's very moving at times. Um, And it really gets at the idea of like we're all the stars of our own film, our own kind of life, I guess. And the Charlie Coppin thing actually reminds me a little bit of Synecdoche, New York, that kind of artifice within film that happens, but can also take place in documentary done the right way. And it really played perform in that way. And I absolutely loved it. It's one of my favorite films of the year. And it, I think it was added to Netflix last week. Yeah. Um, and it's very, very good and well worth watching.
0: Um, and in fact, actually, listeners who may or may not know Jay, that reference to Synchronite New York is uh, the highest form of praise I think you can give. Um, it's one of your favorite films. Yeah, movies, so it's yeah. one
3: of my favorite films. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it, it's only tangentially reminded me of it, but it. it it's there for well, the, people who will have seen both. Yeah, well, to, is, to be reminded
0: mistake. of it and to not be diminished by the comparison, I think, is very high praise.
3: Oh yeah, it's it's very very good. It's one of my favorites of the year. Absolutely uh, loved it.
0: In terms of recommendations from myself, we are desperately after Halloween. Halloween has passed a couple of weeks now, but some quick recommendations. If you're in the states. Uh, Po- possessor uh, will be available on video on demand um, as of mid the week that you're listening to this. That's the new Brandon Cronenberg one. I quite enjoyed that. Uh, Andrea Riseborough is very, very good in it. Um, it's perhaps a little bit too vague, a little bit too abstract in terms of certain aspects of what it does, but it's delightfully unsettling, delightfully squishy, and has some amazing practical effects and some fantastic folio sounds, which is exactly what you want from a body horror. Somebody was standing in a studio... Ma- I, like, I like the
3: opening scene. That's all I could say.
0: Ah! Uh... Yeah, the opening scene is, is amazing. Oh, you've seen it as well. Ah. It's it's great. Yeah, nice. I have uh yeah, Deadly. Wasn't wild. Okay, but, you know, okay. It's interesting. Yeah. Um and then also just uh Saint Maud, which was supposed to be releasing in cinemas as we're recording this. Yes. Um but I don't know what its fate is going to be. So when you can see Saint Maud, take the time to see it if you can. I i watched it uh on note, I
3: I think it is being streamed uh as on um, this week as we're recording it so we'll okay. be streaming i think soonish uh, and I, I would echo that i i i saw the diff uh, it's terrific yeah i really really liked it
0: yeah no it's, it's one of my favorite films of the year and it's, it's well worth recommendations I would agree. and also um and this is i believe where myself and jerry are going to differ again to restore balance to the force <laughs> um back I, to normal uh, back, like, yeah, yeah normal service how many recommendations do you get there F- fine fine all right fine <laughs> as many as you fe- want fe- he's fe- editing back at that all right fine I don't I, I reckon <laughs> no 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 no, 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 no. No, I
1: really no I really do want to know now. okay what do I <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: The Haunting of Bly Manor is on Netflix, and I quite enjoyed it. I am agnostic on Mike Flanagan as a director and as a writer, generally speaking, uh, but I found that I liked uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor a bit more than I liked The Haunting of Hill House, uh, Doctor Sleep, oh. Oculus, and his other movies as well.
3: I like Hill House, though, but I'm, yeah. I'm well intrigued. Um,
0: it's, it, I think it
3: plays more to his... I'm, I'm a bit iffy up with on Flanagan yeah. as well.
0: But... I think it's it's better because it's, it's less of an overt horror and more of a kind of like an actual ghost story. Um, which I, I kind of like in the old kind of gothic romantic sets. Um, anyway, with that in mind then um, next week, um, Jay will be joining us again and the wonderful Kurt North will be joining us for a discussion of Martin Scorsese's 2010 Shutter Island, a movie which has perhaps had something of a reverse relationship with his fandom and with film critics as The Departed has, so I'm really looking forward to talking about that. We'll be back next week. Thanks so much, Bye. guys. Me too. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you so Thank you so much. Guys.